0: Welcome back, everyone, to Red Spotlight, the show that brings you everything coming out of the world of movies and more. I'm your host, Alexis, joined by Alexis Moreno and uh, David Francisco. <laughs> I forgot your name. <laughs> It's that kind of day. Um, yeah, it's what it is, kids. What, what can I tell you? We're just going to get through this as best we can. Okay. So today, uh, we got one movie review coming your way. <laughs> Cast Lives by Celine Song. Um, that'll be at the very end of our show. And then before, we're going to talk about um, some pretty explosive and juicy stuff that kind of um, came out literally a couple of days after we had like a, kind of like a big conversation about it, which is kind of eerie because like when we read the news in Variety and I saw that there was like an article trending about Marvel and I'm like, we just had <laughs> this conversation. So... Um, that's going to be our show today on Red Spotlight number 462. Before we get started, I've neglected to ask you guys, um, before we even do the show, how you even are. How are you guys? (laughs) (laughs) I'm like,
1: We're good. How are you?
0: (laughs) I've been better, but I'm okay. I'm okay. We're here. We're doing this. Um, we're doing it as best we can. You know, uh, we're now in November, and uh, wow, we're gonna be. Crazy. Yeah, I know. Um, as far as our show is concerned, well, it, it's it's a weird month because we're gonna be having a number of big studio releases. Um, the problem being, though, I don't know how m- I think uh, well, maybe half of them we're actually looking forward to. In the other half, either we have no interest in, or we just um, are expecting some not so great things. So, off the top of my head, I know this week. Well, um, that, <laughs> notwithstanding, putting that to the side, you know, the, the big one that comes out this week, the more important one, the better film, clearly that opens wide, um, is the Holdovers, uh, which is a film that we David and I actually talked about last week. Um, the holdovers that is written and directed by Alexander Payne stars Paul Giamatti, Devon Joy Randolph, and Dominic Sessa. Um, every everybody has given it glowing reviews. Um, don't expect the sky. It, it's not the best movie in the world, but it it it's really good. Mm-hmm. And I would if you're gonna go to a theater this weekend and spend money, that would be far more worth your time than whatever the other thing is gonna give you. Um, and The other thing that I'm referencing would be the Marvels, um, which, to be honest, um, we've had very low expectations from the very beginning of this project being announced, and they've gotten progressively lower and lower, um, even up until uh, this very week when they released a final trailer, which we'll get to um, in a few moments. Uh, But that's also opening this week. And I think the following week, um, the Hunger Games prequel... Which is interesting in the sense that SAG-AFTRA gave it; um, they allowed them, uh, as in they allowed their actors to go and promote the film because apparently Lionsgate's like we're broke, man, we need something, so I guess they got the okay to do so. Um, That's and that strange. movie, it it is, but it's not the only one to have been given that waiver, I guess if you want to call it that mm-hmm. way. And keep in mind also there are um, other projects from like I, I want to say A24 their actors are allowed to because yeah. they've already made agreements yeah. individually with the studio I mean with the with the actors so it's fine um but um <sighs> Moving past that, I'll get back to Hunger Games and Marvels because they're kind of intrinsically linked in a way because they're both big releases from franchises that I'm not sure anybody really expects big things out of from at least these new installments, and they're both mired in a bit of controversy and drama of all kinds. Um again we love drama we're gonna get into that in a minute but looking uh toward the end of the month holdovers will be playing all month long so if you want to wait until thanksgiving you can't it's a great thanksgiving film it's also a great christmas movie so if you want to wait until then um and assuming that the sag after um strike ends in the coming days which we've been told not that we've been told but that we've been reading that um uh uh some kind of agreement is imminent for two weeks now, but we're still no closer mm. to a deal than we were two weeks ago. So we'll see what happens. But I mean, I, I think I, I heard somewhere that if this strike is not resolved, like by the point by the by like at least the second week, like I guess next week, they might push Napoleon to next year. Oh my God. Uh that's the re- I know, and that's one that's one I'm really looking forward to because, you know, Ridley Scott He's a great filmmaker. Um, Although lately he has been hit and miss. Um, I know some of us were not very crazy on House of Gucci, but all of us (laughs) had great things to say about The Last Duel. Um, And there's also The Martian that came out in recent years as well. So, and the trailers for Napoleon have looked great. Joaquin Phoenix was born to play that role from an appearance standpoint. He's one of the best actors we have. So I am looking forward to it. I would see that for sure thanksgiving weekend uh or thanksgiving week and then another big release that we have i think i'm missing one there there may be a smaller independent film maybe one of the oscar uh, contenders but i'm not sure which one i'm blanking on that one but i know um one that is going to that one is a different situation where uh it, it doesn't have necessarily the drama that marvel's has or hunger Games has. But it's got a lot of uh, pressure on it. And that would be Wish. Like, which is unfair because in some ways, I, um, I'm i not sure how good or not the movie is honestly really matters when the audience have, audiences have already kind of like said, you know, told on themselves that they don't see animation from Disney as something that they have to spend 20 bucks per person to go to a theater when they can just, they have their Disney plus subscription, they'll wait or, or they'll rent it. Um, And I, I like, I feel like until something changes with that particular model, I don't see how any real uh, realistically any Disney animated or Pixar film will perform pre pandemic elemental did. Better than everybody thought it would, and it did a lot better than what the opening would suggest. So there are still a lot of people out there who want to see these movies in the theater. But
1: it took a while for it to get there.
0: It took a long while for it to get there, and it still I feel like made it less was than in the
1: movie theater for a long time.
0: Yes, so it had that going for it, but it still made less than five hundred million worldwide,
1: mm-hmm.
0: um, which is on the lower end, uh, one of the, the the lowest grossing Pixar films ever. So, I um, at least for us, we're just looking to see how good it is or not. And there are a couple of things to address here, just off the bat with it. I haven't been keeping up with Wish and what people are saying about it. All I know is people are having a serious issue with the animation uh, style of the movie. And again, I, I think I saw a trailer for this movie months ago made no impact, so I don't really know anything. I just know what the lead character looks like, so I want you guys to really, like, share with me what you've seen online about what the chatter is going on with this movie.
2: Um, we don't know much about what's going on online, but when me and Alice first saw the trailer for it, we were both like, this looks like a Disney Junior show.
1: It, it looked strange. Um, yeah. I I think I sent you guys a message that they released a new, I mean, they do, like, clips here and there um there's like a little star character that comes out and it has like a like the the light that like surrounds it i like Mm -hmm. that part of it but it's like super specific (laughs) Mm. so i'm i'm interested to see if like the rest of the movie is gonna look like that or if it's gonna look how it is in the trailer which it's just it it's
0: Kyle was far more harsh than he said looked like shit. Yes.
1: (laughs) It looks like a mix that they tried to do, like, a mix between the 3D animation and the 2D animation. And Mm. it's, like, in this in-between space. Mm. And it just looks awkward. It just looks like unfinished animation. Mm -hmm. Mm. Which is so weird. But, I mean... I don't know. I mean, I, I give them props for trying to do something different in a new style, yeah. which they haven't done in a while. Like the only thing that we got were um, the Pixar shorts, which you can clearly see those, that those, like that, that's what that they were trying to do. Um, but I don't know. It just looks.
0: Uh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, to, to be fair, as you just mentioned yourself particularly those of us on this podcast have been calling for years for Disney animation to experiment more with their animation style and designs. And so from that standpoint, I think we're, we're happy to see some attempt at that. Um, but I think it's also best to keep in mind though, that, um, it it may very well be a case where it just takes time for us to get used to it or for it to grow on us. Yeah. I mean, I
1: know that people were, um, when they started doing the 3d stuff, um, you know, people were, like, weird about it, too. You know, people were making fun of the big eyes and stuff like that. So, I mean, yeah. There's the one behind you. Yeah. What? With the oh, eye, my like God. The the eye, like you. the eye behind <laughs>
2: you. <laughs> I'm sorry. Yeah. No, um, I think the animation, they're trying to they're trying to do their own version of like <laughs> Spider Verse or uh, Puss in Boots, yeah. Uh, the Last one. But wish. you know
0: what? I'm happy you mentioned that, David, because can, I mean, <coughs> let's try. Let's just try to re- remind ourselves while we're living in a, in a in a time now where those films you mentioned are not only very successful but very well celebrated. Um, let's just try. I know a lot of people were praising the initial first look and trailer of Into the Spider Verse back from 2018, I believe. But you know, I. I I have to think that there were plenty of people who needed time to get used to this new look of animation mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: It's just I, I feel bad saying anything bad about it because the, at least they're experimenting and this is not mm-hmm. me feeling bad for cor- the corporation. this is me feeling bad for the animators and sure the real people
0: the real people mm-hmm. whose jobs depend. Uh, And to put their their life and and art into it. I I still
1: think that we need to kind of give it a shot. It's just right now it looks a little bit awkward. Mm -hmm. So we'll see.
0: Well, the thing is, uh, the ultimate question is, it is going to come out Thanksgiving weekend. Um, Does this thing have a prayer uh, performing any better?
1: I mean, than the previous
0: animated films. The last two years from Disney. Yeah. Because they've not
2: been profitable.
1: No. Mm-hmm. And
2: they've not been profitable because of Disney+. Plus. I mean, I think it's just all going to depend on word of mouth. I think Elemental, that's what helped it a lot. It came out mm-hmm. at the same time as Flash. So that was already like a bad start. Um, but once people started realizing, oh, the Flash isn't that good. A lot of more praise was coming out of Elemental. And so, I mean, we're just going to have to see. The only thing going the only thing that's um, for it for Wish, is that the story is uh, more interesting. Sounds looks or sounds more interesting than Elemental. Elemental, we we even said ourselves. I feel like the trailers did not do
1: a good job at telling us what was going on, and like what we saw was completely not what we were expecting. Mm-hmm. Whereas this one, I feel like it's more straightforward. Side note,
0: Elio got pushed to a whole other year and I'm so upset. I am so upset. (laughs) I am so mad. Mm -hmm. Because that trailer was like, more please. And it's like, well, you gotta wait another year. (laughs) First (laughs) Spider-Verse is not gonna come out next year and then this, it's Ah. like... Uh,
1: That one, yeah. That one hurt.
0: (laughs) It's upsetting to me. I would also think that this release, this upcoming release creates an opportunity for Disney to not make the same mistake again. Like I feel like no matter how good or not the movie performs, if you're gonna do the same shit where on Christmas Day, you just drop your the, the new Disney animated movie on Disney plus, it's gonna be like, well, again, you're just you're reinforcing to your audience why would they have had to have paid a ticket or several to go into a theater? When they already have a Disney plus subscription they can just wait a whole month and it'll be there on Christmas Day if they do that again they're digging their own graves and they're' they're, they're not learning anything so it'll be interesting to see
3: mm-hmm.
0: what decision they make ultimately because of that yeah um <clears throat> so that's wish uh and again Napoleon who the hell knows mm. uh if it's gonna you know um stay or not um And then the other movie as well. The thing about Hunger Games is this. Uh, Some reactions have come out praising the film. Some have said it's the best Hunger Games film. Um, Some reviews have said that the first two acts are strong while the third is rushed and weak. Um, Personally, I don't care anything about that except for Rachel Zegler because... Let me just say this. Um, it is unbelievably aggravating how people who should know better feed into made up, uh, not well made up bullshit stories. And and, and they, they light a, um, a fuel into the fire of like made up fan driven, um, Toxicity, you know? And there have been plenty of people who present themselves as being in this YouTube space of like film fans who have had long careers on this space at this point, um, who are much older than we are, and yet they, um, on their own shows, talk about Rachel Zegler as well, what did she do now? What hole or what grave is she digging for herself now? And trying to school her on, oh, she should know better. She's young. She's naive. Um, And there's a lot of things to say about that. But the obvious thing is here is we're never going to break the chain of just randomly picking a celebrity to crap on just to entertain ourselves. Because if if we're being honest, that's the only thing that's happening here. All the crap that's going on around Rachel Zegler and whatever comments she said or didn't say are ultimately unnecessary. You know, I can understand some people that, you know, her comments rub the wrong way. But at the same time, I'm like, I don't necessarily have that much sympathy toward that crowd because that particular audience um is the very reason why we have endless crappy shitty disney live action remakes who refuse to entertain the notion of any kind of realistic adaptation where they just want a complete retelling the same movie but just in quote unquote live action that audience got pissed off over something that she said um and like i just said i don't care what they have to say because i think their their taste is awful they have steered an entire studio into making some of the worst films ever made. Sure, they've profited off of that, but the, these films have no staying power in the cultural zeitgeist. Um, and ultimately, what we're left with is we're picking on this poor girl who literally just got onto the scene. Now, she's had a couple of really big films, but the uh, what, what's really unfortunate and what makes people more you know, willing to attacker is because all the projects that she's been a part of had not done very well and i just also, i don't know where, it's
1: just annoying because that has like nothing to do with her
0: <laughs> it has nothing to do i mean an actor's job in a film is just to do good mm-hmm. and the film she that she's amazing. been in that mm-hmm. west side story and shazam fury of the gods and in both of those movies she did a great performance i mean Do we not remember how there were there was chatter It didn't ultimately happen because she was too young um, and, you know, the Academy is ageist. But there were serious considerations and talk about her performance, which was her debut on screen performance for West Side Story being nominated for Best Lead Actress. Mm -hmm. You know, it didn't happen, you know, but she was in the conversation like that's not nothing, you know everybody opened their eyes and like you know their jaws drop when they heard her sing and how magnetic she was on screen and then she also delivered a wonderful blockbuster performance in shazam which personally some of us feel got way too much hate also and no one really saw i, I still I, I, i'm sorry it is a really good movie. And I don't understand all of you people who are just like, wow, this, this is a new low for DC. And I'm like, Have you seen the Snyder stuff, you idiots? I don't think you have. <laughs> no, not really at all. So, Rachel Zegler said some comments that, you know, upset people about how you know Snow White needed to be updated and everything. And here's the hypocrisy in it. Some of those assholes, you know, through their comments online, have really influenced a lot of the Disney executives into following their lead about things that quote unquote needed to be updated. I'm sorry, wasn't one of the biggest selling points of the recent Little Mermaid um 2023 uh, and Halle Bailey herself was making comments about how some of the source material needed to be like updated and she didn't get any flack for
2: that. But why is Rachel Zegler saying, uh, getting attacked for it? I am so glad you, you mentioned that. Cause I noticed that too. Like I remember specifically that you two, were more mad about what Hallie Bailey was saying about this movie (laughs) than anyone else. Nobody was talking about what she she and even other people working on the movies were saying. Rob Marshall was saying some really like questionable things. The director of that movie, yeah. And so it's like, where's where was the hate on that? And so it just it makes no sense. And then what she Grant did not
1: hate on her, just what they were trying to do, which you know I. I undo, you know I, I wonder, I Alexis,
0: real quick, I'm glad you made that distinction because we weren't attacking her personally, no. yes, we bet. had issues with the content of what she was saying, whereas these other people are going way over the line and wanting to see her career implode and fail. Mm-hmm. That's that's troll behavior, that's not what we were doing at all. Yeah, yeah. Go no. ahead and continue, Alexis.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, which, like, I understand in what um Rachel Zegler was saying that, like, not that I understand, but, like, I I didn't agree with it either, but I'm not going to go and, like, talk bad about her. Like, that's, Mm -hmm. like, we also have to remember that, you know, these people, like, are trained to do, like, PR stuff, you know? It's not like she went and voluntarily said this. I am, like, and then especially with Disney, 100%, somebody told her to be saying these things.
0: And isn't it shitty how Disney kept their mouths yes. shut and just threw her under the bus? Mm-hmm.
1: Yes, and I'm gonna bring it back to that <laughs> picture that was released for the movie, where <laughs> that's right. <laughs> Disney specifically oh. went out of their way to say we are not going to hire little people because they are like they were trying to make themselves seem like. <laughs> Apparently, there was this, like this whole thing with Peter Dinklage, which like. You know I, I, like i'm not part of that community i can't say but mm-hmm. they made it a thing to be like no we're not going to hire little people because you know it's wrong whatever and you know people did criticize them like so you're basically taking jobs away from
0: mm-hmm. <laughs> i'm sure they like a paycheck and a job yeah. it's you like know, which, you like, just eliminated you know you that. could
1: see every you know there's different sides to it but That was something that they did come... which What was it, last week when they released the picture? And what was the main thing in the picture? (laughs) CGI little people. We should
0: also mention that movie got pushed back like a whole year, right? Didn't it get... Yeah. yeah.
1: So they (laughs) didn't hire little people, but they put dwarves.
3: (laughs) Yeah.
1: CGI dwarves. Mm. Like, I... Make it make sense. Yeah.
3: Like... And then more
1: people were talking about the bad CGI... Than that.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: While Rachel Rachel Zegler got shit on for saying, oh, you know what? Woman power.
2: <laughs> Literally, Disney has been so contradictory on all of their live action movies. And then all of a sudden, Rachel Zegler is saying all these kinds of ch- stuff and changes that they're making to the movie. And people are taking her word for it. Being like, my gosh, why even make Snow White in the first place and all that. She's but not it's like,
1: making the movie. Like, she's yeah. just in it.
2: Yeah. And... <laughs> And mind you, we don't mind these changes. Like, we didn't, me and Ali didn't really like the live-action Little Mermaid. But the biggest praise that we can give it was that, oh, wow, they put more stuff into the relationship between uh ariel and the prince and all that which shit.
0: by the way we still got to make uh, doing that promise of, of that of that live <laughs> reaction we can do on our channel yeah because uh, th- these two by the way for those of you who are listening and watching they they were like we got to do a live reaction commentary for me for the first time seeing that movie and by the way for those even further who may not realize little mermaid um at least for me and alexis the two alexises hilariously enough uh like that's our favorite disney movie um and again plugging in our, our original audio commentary from 2020 of that movie so continue david
2: mhm no but um but yeah it just makes no sense why they <laughs> um the hate towards her and it's not consistent i mean it tells you a couple of things
0: i mean the hypocrisy is just a, it it reveals it like the fact that halley bailey did not get attacked <coughs> for similarly like i would say tone deaf comments um, if not more so, I think Kelly Bailey's comments and Rob Marshall's comments were far more tone deaf. Um, and the, it really reveals that they, it just
1: didn't make sense like, well, to, uh, to what they to were me. trying to say. Well,
0: sure. That's part of it. But didn't it come across to you that they just fundamentally misunderstood what was in the text of the original film? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it came off as highly insulting to Howard Ashman. Yeah. Um, so... Which I would think Disney fans, but that's would like also be like very. To I feel for. like
1: very niche, like, <laughs> which is fine. And like, right. and like I said, like I understand people being upset to what she was saying about the movie, mm. um, because I remember I made my controversial comments about not liking Cinderella, and all of you guys attacked me. <laughs> but when
2: was this? We you didn't like the live action somehow? um no the <laughs> animated one the classic the one classic one. oh okay. okay
1: and um but it's just which by the way
0: uh oh i heard the coughing that's funny. sorry um <laughs> yeah <laughs> um plugging physical media go get the cinderella 4k oh, yes. disc because it looks amazing uh we promote physical media uh wherever and that's a film for sure to get on 4k don't miss it hmm
1: even though I just said I didn't like it, but yes, go get it. I mean, but still, get it. <laughs> still. <laughs> um. So, like, I understand, you know, people having difference of opinions. Um. But yeah, like that was just not. That was not. She did not deserve any of that, or what is continuing to. Happen.
0: Yeah, the level of hatred that she received, I think, and because we have also the other comments by Haley Bailey to compare, revealed itself as just a deep-seated personal attack. That's all it was. Yeah. Um. That was going on there, and so, and because, and I also don't. I don't want to.
1: And just like the shy fact away that from she's this. so young, and she's getting like that breaks my heart. She's she's like she's a baby. She's, she's like what
0: early twenties, like, like just really. I mean, St- Spielberg discovered her out of high school. That's why wow. To do West Side Story. And the thing is, I I, I feel people feel more okay to go after her because her films have bombed and the thing is it's a shame because she's great in both of them they're both really good movies but they just had the unfortunate reality is they didn't connect and people were not interested in watching those films for whatever reason you want to name now here comes this other one and people are like uh the hunger games uh the ballad of whatever i think right i don't know what it is honestly i don't know the song birds and snakes okay sorry and so people are like um the rachel haters are just like with their popcorn in their mouths just like waiting for this to fail because they want to see her fail and i'm like how small are you to really get a rise out of um i should clarify that the wrong kind of people failing like, I think there are plenty of people in this industry that we cover that, you know, they've had a reckoning coming from for a long time. Kevin Feige, anybody? Um, Kathleen Kennedy, anybody? Bob Iger? Like, there are a lot of people who their time's up and they're going to get, like, what's coming to them uh, because for, you know, a number of really disastrous decisions and, you know, tone deaf decisions ill advised decisions that have destroyed everything. Um, you know, and there are plenty of people who are actors who um end up just getting you know, skirting by for every other thing. You know, it's like she also got it was hilarious when she said it, and I thought it endeared me to her when she said on the red carpet of Shazam that she did this movie because she needed a job. And I'm like, I love that kind of stuff. But I think like, you know, what I love about Rachel Zegler is that she's real. And the problem is people in the industry don't want that. They want you to make a character, you know? Why do you think Beyonce is so popular? Because she's made a character. Have you ever heard Beyonce really say much? <laughs> <laughs> That's the thing. And so because she's against that, because Rachel has like, she's from this new Zoomer generation. And she's... You know, she's wanting to put authenticity out there. Um, brutal honesty, um, as far as her feelings are concerned, are going to get her in trouble. Now, clearly, all of us feel that the level of trouble that she's received for what she has said is wholly unjustified. Clearly. And so, with this movie coming up, mm, it, it, it just like, my worry is if enough people keep saying Rachel Segler is box office poison a lot of these executives who are dumb as dumber than a pile of rocks mm. are going to believe it and they're not going to want her in their movies in their movies anymore and we're going to rob this wonderful talent of her career because people were bored on the internet and they needed a punching bag
2: no well, it's either going to be that or in whatever movie she does next she's just not gonna say anything and she's just gonna stay silent and then that whole thing that you said of like she's real it just goes away and mind you you're saying you say you like her because she's real during those interviews and all that she says what she wants to say and dudes want to hate on her meanwhile though gina carano is still saying whatever she wants to say and they're like yes (laughs) yes queen and all that but it's like are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> so like, it's okay. So like, when we ha- want to hate on Gina Carano, we're fucking assholes. But then when you want to hate on Rachel Zegler, Rachel Zegler, you know, you should get praise. We should listen to you more or something. Like what? When no, she's literally none of y'all not sense. saying
1: anything to hurt anybody, when this other person <laughs>
0: is. <laughs> yeah, because especially because you know Gina Carano, you can say a lot of things. But she chose to implode her own career. Mm -hmm. She was told again and again that her comments would get her fired. And, you know, she felt that her political views and her, quote unquote, not being silenced was more important to her than a paycheck. Mm -hmm. Um, And you know what? She's entitled to make the decision. I think everybody is of the mind that it was a stupid ass decision. Um, And I think um, to be clear, though, her comments were heinous and disgusting um, and she should have been fired because she seemed to take delight and joy in attacking an entire group of people, which is so anti-humanitarian, so um, evil that why would you want to be associated with that? So, I mean, if she feels like that's the path she wants to be on, sure, okay, we can just cancel you because why would we want you to be... Um, a part of this group if all you're going to do is spread hate that's the key here and Rachel was not spreading hate Mm -hmm. the hate was being thrown onto her she was getting the hate just because she was a genuine human being and that's just what we love to do is just knock people down especially women especially young women I mean you can't help but think of Barbie in the background right (laughs) <laughs> of all the things that film said like everything was true yeah. I mean we we knew it but it's so great that we have a film like Barbie that's finally said those things out loud in such a powerful way and that so many people actually saw it mm-hmm. because I mean how else do you explain what's happening to Rachel Zegler that's, that's just the reality of it Um, so I genuinely want the film to do well because I want her to be in more movies. Yeah. It's not fair that her that for whatever reason this falls entirely on her shoulders to some people. Yeah. When she was just there to to act. <laughs> she had no, you know, no involvement in the creative direction of the Hunger Games, which, you know, we're sidestepping the whole thing of like, who even cares? Because, well, yeah, who even cares at this point? Um the trailers have looked alright. I don't care, Um, personally. Maybe I'll check it out, but not really. I mean, I liked the Hunger Game movies. I didn't even watch the last (coughs)
1: one.
0: But the last one wasn't very good. The last one wasn't very good. No, it wasn't very good at all. The last one. I mean, um, somebody let a balloon loose in the theater, and people were far more entertained with that than the movie. (laughs) Um, So, that should tell you all you need to know about that situation. Um, and then comes the Marvels, which is a, a different situation too, because I think that the Marvels is getting so, a lot of hate, but we have to also make a distinction, it's getting different kinds of hate and I think some of the hate is very much justified, I think the hate that we're going to throw at that movie we're not coming from a place where we hate Brie Larson we hate Iman, we hate Tayona or we, you know, we hate anybody personally, we love them, I hate <laughs> I, I hate Kevin Feige's um, creative direction i i i hate his choices um and i have said that i want him to fail not because i hate him but ultimately um i hate what he's done to these films in this universe and i think he his time's up as i said he needs you know the bill comes due it's time um but ultimately like whatever anger and frustration that we throw at this comes from a place of wanting projects like these to succeed because we want good comic book films. We want good Marvel movies. I think, And also, the other big elephant in the room is it would be really nice if a big blockbuster film that is led entirely by women would be successful. Now, yes, you can make the argument that we've, we've had some of those, like Barbie. But at the same time, in the comic book space it just feels like every single one of these films that is, you know, anchored by a female lead or female co-leads um is and by the way just real quick i'm not going to go there at that point but i just want to make the distinction that from a quality perspective they haven't been all that great. You can, you know, Birds of Prey, um Wonder Woman 2, uh Black Widow, now this which doesn't look very good. So, um where we come from is it's a shame that these films are not good because it's important that they are for more studios to finance and greenlit more projects with just women in the leads, because there's no reason why you shouldn't have faith in a project where female anchor, females anchor the movie. Like it's a no brainer at this point, especially because look at what Barbie did. So just to be clear about where we come from, but the problem is, and the different kind of hate that this film and those other films got where comes from a place of hate. You know, it comes from a place of wanting um, these women personally to also have their careers taken away from them. They want all their projects to fail. And they want these studios, they want Disney, they want all of them to stop um, making films where white guys aren't the main focus of it. Ultimately, that's what it comes down to. They will tell you, oh, they're woke. They're pushing politics. um, They're pushing... uh, Sure... uh, they see progressive politics anywhere on a film and they feel personally attacked as they should, because honestly, um, you know, there is a time and a place for conservative politics. And that was a hundred years ago. Um, we, And again, I'm taking a rather extremist point of view because I feel that like the conservative ideology is um, proven itself to fail over and over and over again and leads to authoritarianism. And I mean, Look at the last three conservative presidents and how every time they left office, we have the economy crashing. You'd think that'd be enough proof, but again, never underestimate the American, the stupidity and ignorance of the American people. So that's my soapbox putting that over there. (laughs) But, but here, um, they, they don't, the idea that if we're just going to remove that identity politics out of it, they're the ones that are making it political because they're actively saying that if you make black people brown people gay people trans people any women if you make them the center of of their stories then they're going to feel personally attacked because they feel like well you know it used to be that they were making movies just for white guys and it would be mostly white characters who'd be the center of attention now why all of a sudden are some movies every now and then you know getting different perspectives now, on some level, they, 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 will never communicate this or articulate this, but they don't want different perspectives to be spread across the lexicon because if, if they are, people will eventually realize that conservatism is a failed ideology. Um, but they don't want people to know about that and they want to keep people in the dark. And so what, what do they do? They do what they always do is just like throw a blank term out there, woke, and it distracts you and nobody knows what it even means. And it just means, um, we hate these people and how dare you um not make us the focus for a change and also keep in mind um conservatives primarily are operating from a place of their their greatest fear which is white replacement theory which is by the 2050s um white people are not necessarily going to be the most dominant uh, group of people in this country because of changing demographics um so now you have the full context um this film obviously is just getting a lot of toxicity thrown at it because of what I just said. And I, 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 we, we even... It's come full circle because we even made this distinction with the first film, uh, Captain Marvel, way back in 2019. And again, to be further clear, this whole new wave of, you know, neo-fascist, alt-right, you know, YouTube trolls emerged out of The Last Jedi. Um, well, that was their coming out party, was The Last Jedi situation. But they were here the whole time but they just like they felt emboldened to do so and every step of the way whenever we have i mean any movie that was not centered on a white guy last year in the last few years we we, it's the same old song and dance and i just hope that people um who are listening to this understand that they're not valid Mm -hmm. there's no reason to take what they say seriously but it's also important that not just ignore it i'm not a fan of just ignoring it because if you do you allow it to just fester there and infect other people who don't know any better. So many Star Wars fans continue to this day. Uh, they were captured. They were swayed. They were manipulated by the, this this right-wing group of people and their, their tactics. And so now, because it, it, they have that, they're not going to be exposed and think that they're going to, that they're supposed to like more conservative ideas, which is why Alexis and I had a big problem with Sound of Freedom earlier this year because ultimately, it was a massive box office success for sure. But the goal of the people who financed the film was not to get you to care more about child sex trafficking or whatever it was. It was to get a bigger audience for their ideas and for their point of view. That was the point of it all. Now, I think most people who saw the film, quite frankly, have no idea all the behind the scenes of what went on. But the point is, if they could just get one more person to subscribe to their ideology, that was the Mm -hmm. point of Stand of Freedom. That ultimately is what it was. So going into the Marvels, um, because there's... Levels of hate and different kinds of hate, and we're about to hate on the film overall. It's important, and even more important, to make the distinction uh, where we're coming from versus where the trash is coming from. Mm-hmm. Um, anything else to add on to that specific part
2: of the hate? <laughs> no, I mean biggest example of what you were trying to say is um, episode three of The Last of Us. If you remember, that is the episode. Oh um, shit, that's the, right. Those two gay characters like the whole episode Mm -hmm. literally the main story just like gets put to the side and you're just focusing on these two gay characters but everyone who's ever seen it who's seen it are like this is the best episode of that season and should be talked about uh, for like awards and all that you know people absolutely loved it but then the conservative side what what are they saying they're trying to make you gay (laughs) that's that's all they think about on that episode and not just the fact that they told like a great love story uh, in that <laughs> you know, and also yeah, like you mentioned too, we don't have high hopes about this movie. When we're talking about this, we just we know what's going on behind the scenes, and we just don't like it, and we we just don't think this is gonna be a good story. Yeah, and and I just um, feel bad. And also, and of course, in terms of you know, you mentioned Sound of Freedom, you. E- <laughs> You two don't like it because of what's happening behind the scenes of what their goal was trying to be. Me, and to be fair, I haven't seen it, yeah. I you, so yeah. Alexis did see it, I did see it, that's why she doesn't like it. I did see mm-hmm. it, I thought it was an okay movie. I, mm-hmm. I kind of enjoyed like the journey, that the same honestly, character, and honestly, most through.
0: people feel the same way, yeah. Most people walk
2: away, that was good, yeah. You yeah. know, it was it was fine, but like I, I, I don't mind, <laughs> I don't really. Care about But the, the whole way
0: thing. that Alexis portrayed it, it just, like, turned me off. Like, I was so repulsed <laughs> by the way that she was describing it. In her. So I, I think I would feel the same way that she would, and I'm like,
2: no, thank you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, yeah, we're just, like, all of us here, when we're talking about Captain Marvel, we're mainly talking about what we think the story is going to be. We don't, it never <clears throat> crosses our mind that this movie is going to flop because they're trying to empower women. <laughs>
3: yeah.
1: it, I just feel bad because I do enjoy these characters and I think that each uh actress um has done a, like a good job in what they've been doing. I mean, um what was her name Miss
0: Iman Vellani yeah, to Paris amazing. Brie Larson? Yeah.
1: Um So, I I just keep thinking that, like, it's basically annoying how, you know, you mentioned earlier the, (coughs) sorry, the movies that have come before this, uh, Black Widow, um, Wonder Woman. I think with the exception of Wonder Woman 2, I think that one, they kind of dropped the ball. (laughs) Um but I feel like the rest are kind of set up to fail. And that I think is what's mm. frustrating to me. And
0: in, in very different ways yeah. as well.
1: Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's just kind of my take on it.
0: Yeah, for sure. Um so there's a lot of ways um to because We'll be talking about Marvels, and then this will also bridge us into the drama that, you know, that explosive variety article. But I think, again, to just reiterate what we've been saying for months, the trailers have been very underwhelming. But more than just the trailers, what really has just made us feel like this won't be very good is because 99% of the recent MCU projects have n- have been not very good at all. Um, and some have been especially bad. Like, I want to ask David, because you've seen everything. Hmm. Mm. marvel studios all the movies all the disney plus shows i think you're the only one that have that has seen everything mm. what's the single worst thing they've done
2: i gotta really think through the list oh, well, <laughs> it's, I, it, honestly, it's, it's some competition now right yeah. what's the worst one honestly i think it'll have to be secret evasion just because mm. like i haven't finished loki season two that one's probably like a close second um wow, it's that bad? Yeah, I mean I've only seen the first two episodes. She Hulk. She-Hulk, I mean She-Hulk, at least there were some moments where I can go, okay, that was funny. That was I guess interesting. Secret he invasion though. She
0: Hulk was better than this Loki season two? Mmm.
2: I That's guess what I think Alexis was getting at. Yeah, I guess so. Uh like wow. I said, I've only seen two episodes of, of Loki season two, but like, She Hulk, so I admire
1: their marketing. <laughs>
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> that's what I, mean, I
2: enjoyed. <laughs> I, there was at least there was parts of She-Hulk that I like. I actually liked the chemistry between her and uh, Matt Murdock. Like, actually, was that was, like, that was worth watching? That's, that's the only
0: thing worth watching. and It mm-hmm. makes you sad because, like, hmm, that's an interesting show. That could be an interesting
2: show. Yeah, like, interesting relationship. If it was an actual lawyer show, which it kind of wasn't. <laughs> no, it wasn't. And uh, but Secret Invasion, though, I just i don't know what the point of it was honestly like i don't
1: which is wild because to me secret invasion storyline that was more
2: than more than anything i feel like secret invasion should have been like a send-off to nick fury like you could have killed him off in this and been like god damn this dude hey you also could have used clark Gregg. i'm just
0: saying that would have been a perfect chance i mean but you know what i'm happy he wasn't involved because they would have just killed him off probably
2: yeah so probably yeah (laughs) i mean they kill off talos and they're probably not going to bring that up. Was that one
1: girl from no. Agents of Shield in it? No. Oh, okay. No. So, no. Uh,
0: okay. real quick on that. Um, <laughs> for years now, people were speculating that that was the project that she was going to be attached into.
1: That's crazy that no, she
0: wasn't. She wasn't in there. That that's that's true. Um, last I checked, though, um, the person who shall not be named, whose sources always seem to be on point with Marvel never mentioned secret invasion with her being involved in the MCU. So she she said for the last she, she said, this person who should not be named said for the last few months that she heard that she was involved, she'll be back, but at no point did she say it was it was uh connected to Secret Invasion. Mm. Others were were saying that it for sure was, but the more trustable, uh reputable of these sources were saying that um She's in it, but not that project. Which also makes you think well, then what project would it be Is if it that's the case?
2: One? They're teasing <laughs> yeah, right. a hero. You no,
0: know, no. I'm sorry. I don't think so, though. But, like, mm-hmm. come on. Like,
1: woman. And, and, and you, <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
0: Yeah, right. I mean, do you... I mean, I don't think Marvel would ever be desperate enough into thinking that an Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. cameo would be something to bank on. Remember, that they, they fundamentally f- feel I like... I mean...
1: Well... They're these are the same they people They brought in that Robert thought, Downey Jr.
2: <laughs> these are the same people that thought Mania was gonna be a success. Ooh. I mean, they, you never know.
1: <laughs> they brought back Iron Man. I don't know. Um...
0: I... I, I don't know. Um personally um how to feel about that any longer because you know these projects are getting worse and worse and worse and i don't know if i want any of my characters to be involved in that so i'm a little bit like "Hmm."
1: i have a feeling it might happen because um Uh, in this movie maybe you never know because didn't the um ages of shield guy come out in the first captain marvel movie
0: that's true, Clark Gregg. Mm-hmm.
1: So, I don't know. Quake. That's
0: name mm. I remember. Yeah. Right. Well, maybe. Um. Speaking of, then, since you, since you use that out there, um, there's so many things. So, David, I, I just real, I'm reeling a little bit. I, I'm really shocked. <laughs> well, in a way, I am, but also in a way, I'm not to hear that Loki season two is like that bad. I mean, that, that's just crazy. (laughs) Um, um, and before I get to what else is being teased for the Marvels in those trailers, um, so you said your answer was secret invasion. Um, I think to me, it probably, I think we've gotten to the point where even though I'm not even watching them anymore. No, I'm not even, the, but I'm but of the ones that I have seen, even though we, we initially were somewhat polite about how Quantumania was, I think it's already exceeded how bad uh, the first Ant-Man and the Wasp was. I think it's the worst thing that they've done um, just real easily. Now, here is an interesting question, David, because you are very unique in that not only have you seen... All the Disney Plus Marvel Studio shows and all the films, but I think you've seen just about every single, um, uh, twenty thirteen to twenty twenty Marvel television live action show, the ABC shows, the Netflix shows, that's uh, true, uh, and the Hulu shows. That's right, yeah, and that's like oh, that's yeah. a lot of content. Cloak and so I, The Runaways. The runaways. Right. Mm-hmm. So I want to ask you if you if we were to include all those shows. What would be the worst thing when you include Marvel Studios and the Marvel Television stuff put together? Is it still Secret Invasion? I mean,
2: Iron Fist.
3: <laughs>
2: I, 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 I know Iron I, Iron Fist and um, Secret Invasion are pretty close, only because. What again, about that I other just...
1: one with the the guy from Game of Thrones?
2: Guy from Game of Thrones. Inhumans. Inhumans. In Inhumans, oh my god! <laughs> oh wow! Mm-hmm. Um, talk about a race oh to the bottom. God, I'm
1: sorry, my dad is dying out there.
2: <laughs> no, you're okay. you <care>,
0: okay.
1: <laughs> Better <laughs> him than us.
2: Continue. Um. Oh man, Inhumans. Actually, okay. The thing about that is uh there was entertainment in the bad. <laughs> and so <laughs> that's true that's true that's the one thing and about how, all of yeah. these all the bad it ones
0: it was fun to watch from that standpoint about like wow this is laughably bad mm-hmm. there was so many like
2: that was one of those shows where something would happen every frame where it's like <laughs> what the, the fuck my <laughs> favorite moment and I laughed out loud it was this one lady who was like an assassin for the bad guy oh man. and she goes inside this bus and the dude's just like hey you can't be in here and like touches like barely touches her and she's just like <laughs> Like, it snaps his neck, and for some reason, I don't know why they, they even did this, but they put a close up on her face, and she goes, No one touches me. And then <laughs> I was just like,
0: The fuck was that for? Why do you even had the bus driver there at all? No, man. The funniest thing was when, um, uh, Black Bolt killed his parents.
2: What? what? <laughs> and, and, the, and then the, the reveal later on, though, it was that the reason why he said, Why is because. His brother gave him some rumor that his parents were going to like send him away because he didn't have any powers or something, and that was the reason why he said why because he thought why are you not sending because me
1: away?
2: he killed them. No no no, 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 no. So Black Bolt, when he was trying to get his powers, nothing was coming out. He didn't. They didn't know why, and so he sits down in front of his parents and he says why. Like at first he was thinking why didn't I get powers but no the why like that's his sonic like, voice thinking oh, and he killed them oh, later no. on though his brother tells him we find out that he, the brother started a rumor saying that Black Bolt's parents were going to send him away and so that's the reason why he started the conversation with why as in why are you going to send <laughs> me away and the brother was like it's my fault that you killed the, the our parents and it's like that's not the reason that's it would have happened eventually. <laughs> like, Dude, it wasn't your that, fault. Was
0: that, that era was a trip. Like, I, there's so many things about it that's just so funny. Like, remember that the week that, remember this, the first two episodes premiered in IMAX theaters. Mm-hmm. And when that happened, what was so funny was that everybody involved was playing the blame game. Um, ABC was pointing at IMAX. IMAX was pointing at Marvel Television for, like, how bad this was.
1: I forgot that and, happened. Know,
0: it was a whole thing, right? But you know, one of the things that make, that uh, it ended up, I guess, um, being meant to be is because Inhumans was so embarrassing, <laughs> because it was so bad, um, everyone knew there was no shot for any future seasons. And remember that when it was first announced... It was very clear that ABC was trying to replace Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. with this show. Um, That's what... And also keep in mind that when Season 5 was renewed, everybody involved on Team S.H.I.E.L.D. was like, okay, this is our last one. And they wrote that whole season as a finale season. Um, But the surprise was that they ended up getting uh, more episodes, more seasons, because of how bad Inhumans did. (laughs) That's how bad Inhumans was. Um... That it was like, so, but I will give you this. There's entertainment to be had in how bad it is. Whereas everything I've heard about Secret Invasion suggests
2: it's the worst kind of bad. Yeah. Where you can't even have any kind of enjoyment. I really couldn't find any enjoyment at all. I just did not care for what was happening with Nick Fury's character. They set up a relationship. I didn't care whether or not she was going to be good or bad. I didn't care that the relationship was fixed, I guess, at the end. And the stakes of the movie, they set up this thing where Fury was kind of like, uh, had kind of had like an apprentice who was a scroll and then he becomes the villain. I just didn't care about it at all. <laughs> yeah, and I say Iron Fist is probably like a close second. The only saving grace of Iron Fist is the second season that I actually like thought was better than the first, and right. had like an interesting ending that I actually would have wished we would have had more, <laughs> mm-hmm. but not with Secret Invasion.
0: But it makes you think back to 2017, where Iron Fist season one and Inhumans season one came out back to back. God actually, that's not true. In between Inhumans and Iron Fist. But that same year, 2017, Defenders came out. Remember that? Hmm. I, I forget that even happened. Yeah. <laughs> I honestly forget that even happened.
1: Yeah. I feel like I mixed that one and Iron Fist together a lot. <laughs> I cannot tell you what happened.
0: Yeah. That that was not a great year. And I think that's ultimately... That one, two, three um, was like... That was curtains for Marvel Television. Um, again, I, I, I think it... I was saying in real time back in 2017 that shield was the beneficiary of everything else blowing up around it. Like how ca- you can't time it perfectly than that. Like everything else was just like yeah. pff, collapsing. <laughs> it was mm-hmm. so funny. Um I'd say Quantumania is my least favorite movie. Um least favorite series probably She-Hulk. Hmm. Mm-hmm. And then the other ones iron fist i think or punisher I don't. i'm a I, punisher i don't remember i remember iron fist because how bad it was <laughs> in the first season mm-hmm. alexis how about you a least favorite movie or tv show from marvel any of the marvel studios connect it could also be the television stuff
1: movie um i really don't like thor 2
0: yeah. It's um, not very good.
1: And Quantumania. Yeah. How about a bad. show? Um,
0: She-Hulk. Did you I did, even watch she No, She-Hulk? I didn't. The oh, last okay. one I
1: watched was Miss Marvel.
0: Um, I can understand that. They fucked up that ending.
1: Yeah. Mm. I, <laughs> we
0: were so pissed I off. I mean,
1: I feel like Iron Fist, and not just because it was bad, I just feel like they were at the top. Of like, at least like the Netflix shows. And then that one came and out. And it just...
0: And that like, was the beginning of the end. That Iron Fist yeah. show was the beginning of the mm-hmm. end. Ultimately, we didn't know it at the time. Yeah. Yeah. It was a huge drop off in quality. But when we go back and looking at it, that was the <laughs> beginning of the end. Because right after that came out Defenders. And, and then it, it was Inhumans. <laughs> Inhumans. And the thing is, 20s, 2017 is an interesting year because there was great comic book content that year. Homecoming, um, Ragnarok, um... Both are films that I would say I'm less high on now than I was back then, but are still enjoyable. But then Guardians 2 came out that year. Logan came out that year. Um, Wonder Woman came out that year. Mm -hmm. Um, The Justice League came out that year. (laughs) So, man, what a time to be alive I 2017. That really is a blast from the past. Yeah, that
1: was a a good year. We went to go watch Guardians 2 together
0: that's right that was a great experience mm. man i love the guardian films um can't believe how long ago that was i
1: know it feels like a million years ago
3: <laughs>
1: mm-hmm. um eternal I, I just clarify, had its though, two-year anniversary yes i want to
0: i want to i want to clarify for people who were listening like when she says that we went together like we were living at san diego at that time not now which is not where we live at today unfortunately <laughs> um so Yeah, Eternals just had its second anniversary. Um, And I think like some people are always going to be stubborn about it, but I have a sneaking suspicion that as more years um, fly by, people are going to look back at that movie and think, like what Thanos said to Nebula in in Endgame, um, perhaps I treated you too harshly. Mm. (laughs) That's exactly, I think, what's happening right now and what's going to happen, which also, by the way... Um, don't think I haven't noticed, even though we haven't been talking about it, but, you know, and we already mentioned it, but the same thing is happening with Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Like, slowly, more and more people are finding it, and little by little, it's getting more and more notoriety, because it was actually a television show, um, and a pretty good sci-fi show at that, too.
1: Yeah, Um, I feel like, like, I can't think of another one, another show, uh, in, like, the recent years that people follow i mean i guess you could say like oh the dc stuff is going away
0: the cw we have you know what you know i forgot to put that in my notes but the news came out even though i think we all kind of saw it coming a mile away months ago and they renewed for a fourth a shortened season and i think they also heard that some of the regulars would not be coming back because of budgetary Mm -hmm. reasons but it was announced um over the last few days that superman and lois um which is the final um, Arrowverse CW show um, will be concluding after this final fourth season. And there's a couple of ways to look at it. I've never seen it, but I hear great things from you guys. And I know... Hey, that, I I feel like the, the buzz and the vibe I get from you is that this was very easily one of the better, if not the very best of the Arrowverse shows. And it's so unfair. Like, many things are in life and how many unfair things are in this industry it's so unfair how this came out at the time that it did with such turmoil and such you know change happening left and right Mm -hmm. but on some level um to have lasted four seasons in this environment is still something of a miracle
1: honestly yes i mean it definitely it definitely feels like they ended on a bang Mm. um but like it sucks because i feel like out of all of the stuff that was coming out, like, this is the one where a lot of people were like, wait, this is really good, mm-hmm. you know? So that, yeah, it sucks. Um, but I am happy that we still got it. But
0: And you get one more season. Yes. Yeah. Hopefully and they also, I an saw ending. somebody <laughs> tweet
1: out, which makes me, like, also emotional. <laughs> but somebody said that they started off the... Um, The DC CW stuff with Smallville, when Superman was not Superman yet, and then now they're Mm -hmm. ending it when he's an adult. Mm. Cry! Wow! Cry! (laughs) I think CW is getting it shut down.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, I think yeah. (laughs) (laughs) What else can you say? Like that's crazy. Um, Like um.
1: Disney Channel getting shut down in different countries. That's wild.
2: Yeah. Didn't you tell me that Cartoon Network is done too? Oh,
1: yeah. Cartoon Network is done. What? Mm-hmm.
0: <sighs> this just feels like the destruction of society.
1: It Kind <laughs> of. But I feel like with how things are going and how things are looking... They're going to
3: come
0: back. I would hope. Yeah. I sure would hope. Anywho, this whole thing, uh, I hope, should have informed some people that, you know, um, we've seen a lot of things Marvel. We've seen a lot of things Marvel Studios. Um, and I think we've belabored the point for weeks and months on end that their recent content has been bad. And in some instances, very, very bad. Um, and Variety kind of just let it all out there um and no one came out of it looking good. but before I even read that um there is something else I wanted there were some comments that were made um, by a different director um, who originally was being courted to direct blade <clears throat> <clears throat> another thing that's been like just so delayed um but it is related to the situation of um, Nita Costa by the way, which is the director of this movie, The Marvels. Um, Marvel did her so dirty when that article came out and no one clarified that what else was she supposed to do to leave that movie behind when they're in post-production. And especially, this is the studio that tells all their directors, don't worry about the action. Don't worry about the visual effects. We got that covered. You just come here, you hold the camera, and you can go. And she also had permission to leave to go film her other project. So mm-hmm. there was real again. Marvel did her dirty, and honestly, some people would say it was very racist. Also, that you know she's uh, you know one of the I think their first ever you know um, uh, POC women direct woman director right? No, no, second, second. Uh, she's the first African American <laughs> yes. um, female director. I forgot about Chloe Zhao. Um, I'm sorry, Chloe Zhao. And also, she also, like, where has she been? I know. Like, are we really going to, like, she should be making more films. Are we going to forget <laughs> about the writer in Nomad Land? Like, she's in a, she won Best Picture and Best Director. It's like, hey, where is she? Give her more things to do. Mm-hmm. Okay? Okay. So, um, about the Marvels, real quick. Um, The marketing has been so desperate. That trailer that came out, you know, recently, where half of it was just, like, it was teasing a different movie. It was, like, Endgame 2. Mm-hmm. Um, it was just... Yeah, you know, audio of Thanos and and Steve Rogers and Tony Stark, and it's like,
2: like, what does it have to do with this movie? It they also, nothing? like,
0: she they has, revealed the cameo. She has they revealed the cameo and Tessa Thompson,
1: if not, nothing at all, like connection to these people. Like, the only thing yeah. she did was just come in at the end.
0: That's something that makes it even more awkward. It's like she wasn't really there, and if there, if we never even saw any of that, and then also, um. About this trailer, is the idea that um, I forgot? Shit, Alexa, you gotta talk. I forgot what <laughs> I was gonna say. Um, what was I gonna say about this trailer? Um, um, <laughs> it'll come to me right now. <clears throat> Shit, I hate when that happens. I was fighting so hard for it to not go, and then it just <laughs> it, it escaped from me at the very last second about what I was gonna say about this trailer. Oh yes. Um, we had mentioned it earlier when you were thinking about what was being teased. Some people are thinking they're get like apparently the post credit scenes are so explosive and they might introduce X Men.
1: Yeah, I've been hearing that too, which like doesn't make me happy. But watch, we get another sound.
0: I mean, they did,
1: you know, with Miss Marvel. So, I mean, it could be.
0: And she's in this movie. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, we're not expecting great things from it. It's not tracking well. Um, and honestly, um, with everything we're about to hear right now, they got what they deserved.
1: Do you think that they're going to do something with, like, Deadpool?
0: Maybe. They could be. Because Deadpool's going to have X-Men characters mm-hmm. next year in the
3: movie.
0: Hmm. Um, Albert Hughes said he passed on directing Blade. When he said it's a bad situation, you never want to be somewhere you're not truly wanted. Um, you're not truly wanted for what you do, you know. And by the way, Nieta Costa herself said comments like this. Uh, I think about it, half a year ago. Mm-hmm. Um, people were giving Nieta. Da- oh no, that's me. Um, uh, he, that's me. Uh, now this is him. I think there is a thing that's rarely talked about in Hollywood. There's a difference between a director and a filmmaker. A filmmaker is all-encompassing what they're touching on their film. That's a filmmaker to me. And a producer can be a filmmaker too. A cameraman is a filmmaker, a rock star cameraman. A director is one who just calls action and leaves and checks in on the editing every once in a while. Um, Hughes wanted Marvel to hire him for his singular talents, not just to fill in for a gig. And then he says... So if you're getting hired for you and what you do and what you bring, I've been in a situation more recently where I'm getting poked and prodded and it's like, oh, you don't really want what I do. That was checking a box for them and this is not going to work out and it mm-hmm. didn't work out. I had to, I had to quit that job. I smelled it pretty early on and no, I'm not here for that and good for him. Yeah. Yeah. But that, that's ultimately what Marvel does. And again,
1: they just want the w- name, but they don't want. Yeah, the actual person. They don't want
0: to actually give up control. Um, So I'm going to read certain parts from this Variety article. Um, And and you know what? I'm just going to paraphrase some things. for For one, in one of the early paragraphs, they're not sure what to do about Jonathan Majors. And some people at this summit were so desperate that they were thinking of just like pivoting away from him and just jumping into doctor doom which i don't see how that fixes anything
2: yeah just recast honestly <laughs> like i just recast yeah it'll it'll still be awkward no matter what but like might as well be safe and recast and
1: hopefully the
0: I'm next sure guy i'm sure even though he's played a character in the mcu i'm sure chakwadeoji is I literally cool. was
1: thinking that too i'm like just bring him back it's fine
0: <laughs> Wait, who is he I've seen that movie uh, Chikwadi Awaji who played the high evolutionary on Guardians 3
2: oh my god yes
0: <laughs> yeah so you can just call him Chuck people call him Chuck hey. Chuck, uh, Chuck his full name is Chikwadi Awaji um, he's so good um, and they've already introduced the idea of variants do it do it that's all you have to do just um, do it <laughs> clearly right so they were also talking about how at the premiere of Quantamania. Uh there was people who were walking out of the theater that were shocked about how unfinished the visual effects looked like. Pfft. Yeah, um we we could have told you that. <laughs> um clearly. Um it's so funny that people how...
1: forget about Spider-Man.
0: <laughs> right? Right? Um they also talk about how they're worried about the Marvels and um how it, it's not really going to do all that well. Um, some people were speculating that there's just too much comic book content, which is part of what's at play here, but it would be. They might just try and use that as a scapegoat. There are a lot of real big, bigger, bigger problems going on than just, oh, there's yeah. a lot of comic book stuff. You it, know? I,
1: I feel like that is like the last. The, <laughs> right? Yeah, because. <laughs> How can we get a bunch of nothing but then have the Eternals? Like, there's clearly still something there. It's just that they're not doing it right.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and then a big part of the article, as I mentioned, they, they threw Nia Costa under the bus, um, saying that she had, you know, trying to imply that she ditched them, which even if she did, good for her. Why would she stick around? Well, what was she going to do? What was she going to do? They don't want her consulting on, on, on you know, because, again, Marvel doesn't make movies how they should be made. They section off different departments, mm-hmm. which is also w- what caused their TV shows to end up being as poorly as they've been received. Um, And then, let me see here. They talk about how Kevin Feige has been spread thin. I don't understand why no one wants to bring up the fact that in 2019 the Marvel television output that was responsible for all those previous TV shows was shut down and everybody was let go. And it's like I'm not saying keep the people. I'm saying keep the division and split off the work because it is And it always was nonsensical of you, Kevin Feige, to think that you could do four TV shows or four TV, not really TV shows, four long movies and then four theatrical films a year. (laughs) And they think he's spread too thin. He's spread too thin.
1: And it's also funny that they word it that way.
0: (laughs) Yeah, right? (laughs) Um, Like if he's
1: not... Like if he can't do anything about it or if like he can't just like let go.
0: <laughs> oh, and one thing I wanted to bring up is like we, we've we also been talking about for a lot. I mean, right now, um, the Marvel VFX workers are in the midst of unionizing. There will at some point mm-hmm. be a strike going on pretty soon. And the visual effects um, part of these films has been a big reason for why they've been failing. Um, and and as we the years have gone by, we have found out in large part for why their teams are asked to redo everything is because they don't plan out their scenes um ahead of time for vfx and what and i had shared uh with david um an interview with the vfx supervisor for of all movies killers of the flower moon a film that you probably wouldn't even think of oh it had a lot of visual effects and it had cg it did Mm -hmm. and it looked incredible and how David and I were like, we didn't even realize there was any CG involved in it. And then David, you you had made a comment about like, well, wow, like what a novel idea to just plan out <laughs> your VFX shots on what you're actually going to shoot, yeah, instead of just rotoscoping everything at the at, at the last second. Mm-hmm.
2: No, yeah, for sure. I mean, Ale, you probably didn't read that, but like there was they mentioned that they CGI'd a hat on someone. Yeah. Yeah. So like that just tells you though like. The, that's how much CGI there was in that movie. You're probably thinking like, oh yeah, some background stuff. And it's yeah. like, no. There was some it stuff was in front of the camera that was CG and you probably didn't even notice. The only one that I can think of that was obvious was that um, wide shot of the land and you see the oil rigs. But like, even then though, that only crossed my mind after the article. <laughs> I was still mm-hmm. like, like for some reason, in yeah. my head, in there, it didn't cross my mind. Like, oh, that's cool CGI. It's like, oh, okay. Cool. Like, we get a scenery of the land like they're really working uh on their oil rigs and all that blah, blah blah but yeah it just you'll you probably can point out you you will probably won't be able to point out half the cg yeah when you're watching that movie that's crazy right mm, yeah for sure um and yeah and uh, also yeah, go ahead that comment of um planning out your shots but also sticking with them yeah Uh, that's the other thing too that one they just reshoot after reshoot and then try to fix it up and it just doesn't work (laughs) um
0: some changes have been announced recently of course in a few weeks ago we talked about how they completely restructured how they're going to do tv shows from now on they say they're going to have showrunners and they're going to actually test pilots those are very big improvements but if Kevin Feige is still calling every single creative decision, I do, it doesn't matter to me. It's still going to be pretty not great. So, and this week, they unveiled what they're calling Marvel Spotlight with that Echo oh, trailer.
3: Yeah.
0: <laughs> I don't even know what to say to that. It feels thrown together. I can't mm-hmm. think that this was the, the, the point because keep in mind, Echo is not getting a traditional Disney Plus release. It's going to get dropped all in one night. And then also
2: it's going to get dropped on Hulu simultaneously. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And what I, I don't like about that spotlight thing, we remember when we complained, we were talking about Scorsese's thing about um, indie labeling. Indie movies, yeah. the, the indie label. Yeah, the indie label. Doing that, you're just telling everyone, hey, this, isn't this is gonna, less important. This is less important, yeah. This is going to be more serious. It's going to be pretty bloody. It's not going to have all the fun things that you want, the cameos and the superhero fights boom and so you're just putting it in the corner and telling people that it's not gonna be that important in the long run which mind you secret invasion was not important in the long run (laughs) like at all it's not if they don't even mention talos in that movie uh then yeah it's not that show was never important they're not gonna mention him at all no um how did that echo trailer
0: look to you guys it felt like a blast in the past in a way. It felt like I was watching a Netflix Marvel show
2: trailer. Yeah, yeah. for sure. <laughs> there was blood in it, which yeah. was surprising. Compared to Moon Knight, you remember what they said? <laughs> <laughs> I forgot about Moon Knight. <laughs> they were like, it's going to be the bloody oh God, show. I,
1: totally, I didn't finish it, though, so I can't add it to my list. <laughs>
2: <Okay>. <laughs> yeah but they Carmen Foggy literally said Mune is gonna be like the bloodiest show and I just told, I just saw Alexis where the fuck is the blood <laughs> like it's, <laughs> it's nowhere near you only see one you only see it in his hand when he after like some cut that he beat the shit out of people uh but no this one like okay yeah there's some blood there's some violence okay you know these are the apparently
0: <laughs> apparently um they have um Oh, there were a lot of problems with Blade that we didn't know about. There were a lot of problems that we didn't know about, but part of the problem was that in the the many revisions of the script, at some point he was relegated to the fourth lead (laughs) in a film called Blade. Mm -hmm. Um, But for whatever reason, it seems that those script issues were fixed. Um, They're going to make one of their first films um, ever under a $100 million budget, which is encouraging. Um, and it will be R-rated. So all those things are very encouraging to hear. Because mm-hmm. um, that's exactly what a Blade movie should cost. Yeah. I don't think it needs... And, and it should be R-rated, honestly. Um, I don't think it has a prayer to to do what Del Toro did with Blade 2, especially. Because uh, that thing was a whole a stylistic like yeah. swing to the other end of it. But still... Um, you want the best for it. And these you you have to just admit, these are great decisions to move going forward. However, the fact that you got to this place in the first place, it just, what trust is there? Mm-hmm. That at the end of the day, you're going to wrap it around and release something that's actually good. That's part of the big problem here, right? Yeah. Um And I'm just amazed that Mahershala Ali has not left them. I know. He I
1: no
2: they probably
1: or he, yeah uh, that's
2: a- or he really loves Blade I don't know <laughs> he must really want to play that character yeah, yeah. Um, maybe he's just, the one
1: that's like no we have to do this right
2: mm-hmm.
0: oh Hopefully. You know, speaking of desperation one of the eye opening things that came out of this article I'm going to read this verbatim here with Iger publicly acknowledging the downside of a Marvel TV glut that diluted focus and attention i'm gonna stop there at no point did Iger say that he was the one that started this initiative in the first place to create this tv shows for disney (laughs) plus that was him and then he's like oh yeah it didn't work out but did he say my bad guys no he didn't say that it continues the keepers of the comic book empire are considering some dramatic moves sources say there have been talks to bring back the original gang for an Avengers movie what it's referencing there clearly Robert Downey Jr Chris Evans Scarlett Johansson Chris Hemsworth Mark Ruffalo Jennifer, uh, Jeremy Renner um, as I would say this would include all those uh, who were killed off in Endgame um, but the studio hasn't yet committed to that idea
1: do you really think Scarlett Johansson would go back <laughs> no And by the way, I uh, I want to
0: congratulate Scarlett Johansson on her recent uh, lawsuit against AI. We hope the best for her. Um, She's the queen of lawsuits. For real? Um, Love it. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to sue you. And then she does. That's just so funny. I hope that she wins again. Uh, That was so funny when that happened. I can't believe that actually happened. She sued Disney and won. Um, That's hilarious. Um, that, That would be a this is a new low
1: it really is it's so bad and it Mm -hmm. sounds so bad and i don't know why anybody would be excited about it considering what they've been putting out if anything i would just be i would be like scared because it's like they they ended their stories like good why are you going to unravel everything
0: Yeah. Um I would say though is the one thing they have going for them, or that they've had going for them, is um Guardian Stream made a lot of money this year. It made eight hundred forty five million worldwide. Although I'd argue it would have made a billion if Marvel didn't shit the bid, you know, right before with a really bad movie. Um also, um, they seem to have a surefire hit with Deadpool three coming out next year yeah i'm looking forward to it Mm -hmm. um so but other than that yeah i uh all all i'll say is like ultimately nothing here was new to us yeah (laughs) not really anything here was new to us yeah because we've been talking about this for years and i also want to you know not to be that guy but i am going to be that guy We called it July 2019. July 2019, when Kevin Feige went on stage at Comic-Con in San Diego and presented his slate for Phase 4. And if you go back and listen to that podcast, you will hear a lot of pessimism and a lot of predictions about how this is not going to go the way you guys think. (laughs) And that honestly... Might have been one of the best predictions we all made (laughs) at that point. Because when you look at where we are right now, Marvel is on the cusp of losing its stranglehold over pop culture. No one's watching the shows anymore. For that matter, Star Wars is doing terrible as well. The Ahsoka numbers have not been great either. Yeah. And you got to wonder, with Kathleen Kennedy failing, with Kevin Feige failing, with Bob Iger failing, you know it's funny how people are ready to like they're they're okay. Let's let's uh, use Jennifer Lee. Let's go ahead and call for her to be fired. Um, when are we gonna get to the point where we need to like seriously look at Feige, Kennedy, and and Iger as like you know what? You guys were doing okay, and in some instances, you did amazing mm-hmm. in the last ten years.
1: Let's but shaking up a little bit.
0: <laughs> But at this point. I don't know what they can do. Yeah. I don't know what they can do to fix any of their problems. Mm. I mean, personally, it starts and ends with what and how they treat Disney+. Plus. Yeah. They got to reprioritize what's most important to them. And if they're going to continue to keep Disney+, Plus as is, I don't see how this fixes anything. They've got... They have to begin there as part of the solution to all of their problems. But at the same time... We have to keep in mind that, uh, you know, maybe we just give executives like Kennedy and Feige and Iger too much credit because they seem to just be so easily swayed by what they read online.
1: Mm-hmm. And, you know, a lot of people were complaining about, um, uh, what's his name? The DC guy that's there now. I forgot oh, that. James Gunn. Yeah. James Gunn. Oh, um, about him coming in and, and shaking everything up. But you know who's going to be winning in the end? It's going to be him. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because...
0: But it's also a really unfair way to frame things. What did he shake up? It was dead. It was dying. There was nothing there to be shaken up. For years and years and years, people had tuned out those films. Why do you think in this year, 2023, three... There'll be a fourth one, but three of the DC... God damn, there were three DC films already out this year? There was three? With Blue Beetle, The Flash, and, and Shazam. Oh my God. Yeah, and there'll be a fourth one with Aquaman um, oh, we'll next play. in December. So it's like, why do you think all of them failed? Even though um, they were not all of the same quality, they were, they were actually quite different in quality. They failed because of years and years and years of inconsistency of quality. At some point, the bill comes due. People are going to be enough of this. And I think what connects what's happening with the Marvel stuff and with the DC stuff is we're at a point now where more things have been bad than they've been good. And recently, most things have been bad. Hardly any of it has been good. And the only ones of both of those camps, um, even though one of them doesn't qualify as MCU, but it's still Marvel, um, that have succeeded because of how exceptional the quality was was across the spider verse and guardians 3 everything else has fallen by the wayside because no one cares anymore and that's that's just the sad reality of it um and i would say that on both of those camps not the same things happen to them very different things happen to them as a matter of fact but they've arrived at a point where um they've kind of Really ruin their own brands. Marvel not to the point that DC has. DC. The decision to allow Zack Snyder to make three films with them. Continues to fuck them over.
3: So funny.
0: (laughs) It's been 10 years since Man of Steel. Oh my God. Like Jesus. So. Can you
1: believe we watched a four hour movie?
0: (laughs) And, and no, and remember what, what um, Peter and I said this back in in late 2016 when Suicide Squad premiered. It was on one of our Bailey News Crew review videos. when We were like saying, if more and more bad comic book films come out, people are going to get tired of them. That was in 2016. We're well, now in 2023. I think we're at that point now. Mm-hmm. We've seen enough evidence to suggest that we're at that point, whether it be in the theater or on, on streaming, people are kind of over it because in large part so many of them have been bad
1: yes very
0: bad very bad in some instances (laughs) so will the Marvels add on to it probably i think ultimately i mean who knows it might be fine it might be fun you know if, if you're out there listening and if you're excited for it good for you i hope you have a good time No one here wants to ruin that experience for you. But considering how all three of us here have been so disillusioned with the quality lately, it's hard for us to imagine us watching it and and liking it, but it's also even harder for us to even imagine paying to see this movie. We're at that point now. (laughs) We're at that point now where it's like, where it used good. to
1: be, yeah, it used to be like we have to, but now it's like, mm, do we have this, to? <laughs> yeah,
2: the holdover is coming out. <laughs> yeah,
1: go watch that, or
0: *Killers of the Flower Moon*. Yeah, or Taylor Swift. <gasps> I which want to go see Taylor Swift. I want to. <laughs> me too. Me too. And hilar- hilariously enough, but then also it made me quite sad when I read that Taylor Swift the Eras tour. This week surpassed Mission Impossible: Dead Reckoning.
1: That is it, so funny, though. In in, in
0: the box Honestly, office, good for her. <laughs> I mean, good for her. But Dead Reckoning is a really good movie. Yeah, it's a really good movie. I purchased it on disc. I think it was last week. It, I mean, it's it's such a shame. Um, like I think I, it was I bad enough a, that I it was a
1: conversation <laughs> at my work. I think it was yesterday. Because um, I had a co-worker who her daughter wanted to go see the editor the tour. And she was like, no, you can go by yourself. And then she was like, who wants to go see Taylor Swift? Like, no. And then I'm like, honestly, I would go see her. And she was like, really? And I, like, told her, like, uh, just f- for support, you know? Like, because of what she did. And she's like, oh, that's actually kind of cool. <laughs>
0: <sighs> ignorance <laughs> ignorance can be quite grating can it <laughs> also apologies there's an airplane flying over my house right now so if you hear things mm. it's, it's okay. one of those
1: shows it's one of those
0: shows people <laughs> oh god um so uh what's the point of any of this I don't know guys I just feel like we're at the point where I think the days of us giving a shit about Marvel are are over. Mm-hmm. And if we're being honest, even more honest with ourselves, I think they've been over for a while now.
2: Yeah.
1: I think they need to take like a year break. <laughs> <laughs> and just kind of... Take kinda, a year
2: break. And honestly, know. I honestly thought um, Falcons, Captain America should have been like the next movie.
1: It something. should have. Where is it? Why? Yeah. It, why and don't we have wanna, it? If they want to
2: like really make a change, start with that. Just like you know, look back at that movie, see what you have, and move forward. And I mean, like, bring up like what what has happened after the blip, after everyone came back. Mm-hmm. Like, give us that information. Like, set, make it set. <laughs> we still don't know. Wait, no, I think we do know. Um, the chords. Are they no longer in play, right? I think she
0: Hulk confirmed that the Sokovia Accords were repealed, which was the best thing about She Hulk that that asinine, you know, rule book was just, you know, torn to shreds. Mm-hmm. Real quick, David, um, if I'm not mistaken, um, what was it the show here? Uh, oh, yes, this is big. She Who Shall Not Be Named (laughs) was hearing from her very reputable sources that there was chatter over at Marvel Studios about them not being sure about whether or not they actually want to even do the Thunderbolts. Mm. And implying the possibility of them just saying, Never mind. We're not going to do that movie after all. Don't do it. <laughs> I think they are. Um, but there's a lot of things in the wind right now where, I mean, who, I'm sorry. I, I I don't care because I've stopped caring about Marvel Studios. Maybe I would have at one point, like right after Endgame. But like, who cares about Fantastic Four? Who cares about the next Spider-Man? Um, a lot of people do. I understand that. I mean, I don't care about Fantastic Four. I don't care about the next spider-man um the tom holland one by the way um so i don't know um it's hard to see what would get me to care at this point mm-hmm. um but i guess we'll find out um i want to use this uh to since i mentioned tom holland <laughs> some person out there was like what if he was cast in this mm-hmm. um speaking of box office poison um you know where where the hell is um that hate coming i mean look he's very charming he's very popular and he comes across like a wonderful human being and nobody wants to see him fail but he needs to fire his agent and he needs to like he needs <laughs> to get true. and he needs to get the hell away from sony because they keep putting him in crap yeah that's the problem and i don't understand why he's so insistent on doing this like hard edge hardcore like you know like characters like something like nicholas cage would play like he needs to be doing romantic comedies he needs to be like using his actual charm and putting that out there mm-hmm. um and he's not doing any of that not to mention that he's just looked ugly in a lot of these recent roles like who wants to see that you've seen cherry one of the worst films i've ever seen the russos in their brilliant mind um while he was being inspected um, you know, up the ass and everything, they had a shot as if the orifice was opening and you see the hole, literally. Um, and then the finger go in there. Um, they they framed a shot as if the asshole was opening. Um, that's how brilliant, quote-unquote, that movie was. Um, but, yeah. And you know what? In that last project, I saw some, some interviews with him. He, he could tell that it was getting to him, that, you know, every project is just getting crapped on by critics. But I wonder why, dude? Yeah. I wonder why. And the thing is, this he has, he's friends with Timothy Chalamet, and he happens to be in a relationship with Zendaya, who does nothing but amazing work after amazing work. She's won like two Emmys, I want to say, or she's won at least one Emmy for Euphoria. It's like you can't just beg her, like, hey, I, give me a lifeline here, because everything that I'm doing is just getting destroyed and mm-hmm. ripped to shreds by critics. Yeah. Um,
1: And he's, and like, it's not him because he's not bad. He's a
0: really good actor.
1: Yeah. Like, Mm -hmm. even in the movies that have come out, like, he's not bad in them. It's just like, move on. Like, they keep (laughs) giving him the same character over and over again. And it's like, no, like, Mm -hmm. you have other things. that. And it comes across, like, every
0: project he does, he's trying to, like, show how big of an actor he is. Yeah. Mm -hmm. He doesn't need to do that. No. I I still think the best performance he's ever given us was his first movie. Um, the Impossible, which came out eleven years ago, with um, oh, fuck. what was her name? Uh, Ewan McGregor, wasn't it? Um, it was the movie about um a tsunami. You can, I believe, um, it's on on Netflix, if mm-hmm. you can see it. Um.
3: <laughs> <laughs> I'm so
0: sorry. <laughs> Oh my, god. oh my god whoa I'm so sorry
1: <laughs> hopefully it's not that loud yeah. hopefully people think we're laughing at nothing
0: <laughs> <coughs>
3: but I think I they saw a up.
1: little squiggly laugh
0: <legs>. Jesus um <laughs> Anyway, uh, why I mentioned uh, Tom Holland was because um, it came out in the news today that um, Nintendo had given the film rights for their Legend of Zelda project to Sony, and that of all the producers, Avi Arad was um, given the helm to do so. And then, of course, how poetic, how one fan even suggested Tom Holland be in the movie. No. As if... Um those previous names were bad enough. <laughs> Weren't bad enough, I I should say. They went ahead and and went this extra direction. Um, for those who are not aware, um Avi Arad is responsible for um at Sony <coughs> all those Spider-Man spin-off movies like Morbius and Venom and uh Craven the Hunter, <laughs> which I forgot even existed. Mm. It was a terrible trailer. Um and then uh also the live action ghost in the shell which was mired in controversy because um they had but to use visual He did the
1: show. Well he
0: did he he produced it. And I remember a big part of the controversy was that they had to use visual effects to make Scarlett Johansson look more Asian. Which was right before it was uh it, it was like one of the last projects where that was okay to do. <laughs> uh, um Okay. <laughs> yeah, um <laughs>
1: David, what do you think? You're the Zelda fan
2: here. (laughs) Yeah, I'm very sad about this news, honestly. (laughs) How could you not be? Uh, I know. One thing and you know, it's gonna sound kinda weird, but like I really wish I could have written like a Legend of Zelda movie. (laughs) Mm. (laughs) You You know, but that's just I mean that's just a Write it. Yeah. But um I also kind of wish Zelda might have been animated and DreamWorks would have mm, taken that because they oh would have yes. worked so well. Yeah. I mean, DreamWorks should have been doing all Nintendo stuff. <laughs> but, right. Um, as much as I like the Mario movie, Illumination. Illumination still wasn't the right fit. You know, hey, I'll, Illumination, I'll give you props. Your animation really improved, but it's still basic fucking story. And <laughs> so, um, and so, yeah. Sony taking this on. Uh, Mind you, they also made Uncharted, which had Tom Holland in it, which Mm -hmm. is why he cannot be Link in this fucking movie. Um, The movie itself was fine, um, but it's still... um, I'm very worried (laughs) about this movie and the people behind it so far. Um, Just nothing is sticking out to me. It's a crazy
1: thing to give to to these people.
2: Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, the director behind it, you know, he did Maze Runner. That's an okay movie. Hopefully, maybe with Miyamoto, who, creator of the fucking game, will probably be like, you know, uh, kind of strict.
0: Ball is his name. And one mm-hmm. thing to keep an eye out of what makes him interesting, I've never seen the Maze Runner films. I never will, probably. Um, but he apparently is the one who is going to helm the new Planet of the Apes movie, which, mm-hmm. speaking of uh had a re a a trailer drop recently um just quickly any
2: thoughts on that trailer it looks nice um i was surprised that it this takes place like generations after the third one apparently Uh, and so i'm curious oh this one's gonna go
0: (laughs) i hope it works out okay i love that franchise i know know.
2: that trilogy was fantastic
0: it's kind of perfect. Yeah. Honestly. So, um, <clears throat> you'd hope for the best, but um, if it's good, maybe that gives some hope in uh, for this film. Yeah. And apparently this director had a canceled film, Mouse something, and some concept art came out. You can look for it on Twitter quickly. Um, and some people were saying, well, maybe this guy has an eye for Zelda after all. Mm. You never know. No. Um, i of all the things attached, he's the least depressing part of this.
2: Yeah, <laughs> for sure. And I mean, it's just... The thing, though, is there's gonna be... Um, we're gonna have high... St- for cell defense. we're gonna have high standards for this movie, you know? Like, we want this to be
1: absolutely great. Like, um, I feel like it's crazy because for Mario, like, you... Like, people had high expectations for this movie. But, like, this is, like, another... Yeah, we're going to have higher
2: expectations for
0: this one. Yeah. Real quick, guys. um, hmm. Some breaking news just happened, um, which is important stuff. It's not related to anything movie stuff, but it's pretty big. In the state of Ohio, voters approved a ballot measure that would enshrine the right to abortion in the state constitution. So, that is a big, big news item for women and their right to autonomy over their own bodies. And also, a further indication about how this, um, um, these thugs that are on the Supreme Court are so tone deaf and they don't, uh, I, they've not realized, um, the waking, sleeping giant that they brought up here because there are a lot of people who are standing up to a lot of these medieval, um, ideas and saying, fuck no. Now, I don't know how that manifests in a presidential election not thinking about that uh, <laughs> but um at least um evil lost on that ballot today, which is yeah. which is um good to hear about um yeah. and just wanted to put that out there. I'm sorry, continue what you were saying
2: uh, not yet like I said, <laughs> people have high, really high standards going on for this movie. There's a lot of material to work on. don't throw it in all at once, please um that is sony kind of-
0: sony man so many bad movies <laughs> especially uh films that were meant to be the first installment of a future universe mm. they have
2: continually like fumbled and fumbled and fumbled on this hey, here's the thing i'm curious about with sony is that do they care about this franchise and what I mean why though, did is nintendo
0: that- give it to them
2: I know. I honestly trust Disney more than Sony. on. on that, I thought on they were going to give this to
0: um, Universal. Oh, Universal. True. See, uh, I, I was under the impression they were developing an animated film, which is why we thought it would be Illumination. But if it's live action,
2: Universal Studios is right there.
0: Yeah. You've
2: already worked with them. They made they made you a Nintendo Land.
0: <laughs>
2: like, what the fuck?
0: Yeah, I can't imagine the Universal people were happy about this decision. Mm-hmm. Not at uh, all. <laughs>
2: Yeah, but um, what I mean with uh, Sony, if they care about this franchise, from what it seems like, whichever movie they just don't really care about,
4: mm-hmm. turns out
2: to be great. And with the ones that they do really care about and try to like, really uh, see every single second David, of the progress of are it, you it goes saying, to shit. Are you <laughs> saying
0: that movie executives are dumb? Yeah. <laughs> because you get the impression... Going a little bit back to Marvel real quick, that they have no
2: faith in Echo. What if it's good? Mm-hmm. Wouldn't that be funny? Yeah. And then with Sony, when the first Spider-Man movie came out, Tobey Maguire, I'm pretty sure they were just kind of like, eh, hey, we got the rights for this. Let's just m- like a make-, make a movie. Great. Hey, then they decided to be like, hey, we can make a franchise out of this. Amazing Spider-Man comes out. And they really try to set up Sinister Six, and it fucking tanked. And mind you, Spider-Man 3 with Toby's um, that was when they were starting to be like, okay, let's let's keep this going. Let's make this into a really big franchise. And then they try to, in, try to force, um, what was the director's name? Um, Sam Raimi. Sam Raimi. They were like forcing him to make all these, uh, add, add on these villains, um, that he didn't even want. He didn't want Venom at all. And I can't remember if he wanted Spider-Man at all, but, um. Yeah, he for sure did not want venom in his movie, but they forced him to put it in. <clears throat> and yeah, and then comes um, then the Tom Holland movies come out, but that one they're I think they were a bit more restricted, you know, right? They couldn't they couldn't use all of Marvel stuff, but they really wanted to like put in Marvel MCU stuff and all <clears throat> that. And you know, they made a cool movie, Spider Verse though. That one they did not care, they really didn't. They were just like, we have the rights for this. We need something of our own. And the creators of it, the, um, yeah, the creator, the creators of it, they were like, they didn't want to be involved (laughs) in the beginning, but they thought, okay, let's give them an idea, one that they would have to say no, which is, we want to make this as comic, make, we want to make this look like a comic book as much as we can. And so they just went, yeah, sure, do whatever you want. And we got Spider Verse. So like, whenever it's a movie that they just kind of like, they know they can make something out of it but they don't really care much about it that's when they make a good movie it just
0: makes you think i wonder how much better things would be if executives just like were a little bit more hands off Mm -hmm. it's okay
2: to just think of the business side of things like it's perfectly fine Mm -hmm. you know again with this movie legend of zelda they have a movie here it's this movie has a more of a chance it writes itself yeah it's gonna has more of a chance to be better than better box office wise than mario movie like it's all right there
3: mm-hmm.
2: just let the creators be creative <laughs> you know And it's okay to like and to me business wise it's smart to like spread it out don't put all your eggs in one basket just be like we just want this villain in this movie right now mm-hmm. and then that's it <laughs>
0: Well, um, I guess we'll see how it turns out. Um, before we get on to uh, the movies, I wanted to play for you a clip from the Best... Um, excuse me. The, the Next Best Picture podcast. I actually shared those clips with you guys today earlier about some interesting things that could happen on something we all discussed last week, which was um, the number of nominations that Barbie could receive at the Academy Awards. And I know for um many many years now um many of us have been very one one of the categories that more often than not enrages us because of who's included and who's not and who wins and who didn't is best original song so <laughs> with that I'm gonna play this clip um I don't know if you guys heard it already um did you? I did okay I'm gonna just bear with me here okay
5: Let's say only two songs from Barbie end up getting into Best Original uh, Song. I think that's, like, the thing now, right? Like, you can't
0: have... Which, by the way, uh, they're going to th- submit three. Dance the Night by Dua Lipa, uh, I'm Just Ken, and then, um, what was I made for? They're going to... They officially confirm they're going to submit three, but because of recent rule changes, only two, only up to two songs can be nominated per movie. Which I think is pretty stupid, but, okay, whatever. Um that's what they ended up deciding yeah.
5: anymore you can submit three mm-hmm. but i think you only have two get in exactly so which so which two do you think are getting in i'm just ken and the billy irish song see i actually have a lot of suspicion about I'm just Ken because yes, that is a the signature song I feel like from that movie for sure, and a lot of people do love it, but it also has a lot of stuff that I don't really feel like the branch goes for. Like it's an overtly comedic song, which tends to struggle. It has a dance break in the middle of it, which also they tend to not really like. I I feel like people are setting themselves up that this is a guarantee, yeah, I and I, I do not think it is a guarantee to get nominated. I completely agree. I
2: almost think it's like in with we don't talk about Bruno, where it's like the bigger hit didn't get
5: nominated, and yet they still find a way to somehow convince Ryan Gosling to perform it on the ceremony, <laughs> despite it's not nominated.
4: Yeah, it reminds me of when Mary Poppins Returns yep. coming out a few years ago, and everybody mm-hmm. was talking about that uh, that freaking song with the. The the chimney, chimney sweeps, sweeps that yeah. weren't chimney sweeps or whatever I don't remember the movie, and I was I was all season saying no no it's gonna be the ballad it's gonna be the ballad that's how they always go and that's how it ended up being you know I'm scrolling right now I can't even find the last time a song that was this overtly comedic was nominated you know there was South who's Park a a few years ago yeah there, I mean there was Who's a, fake a few Years Ago but that song is not funny no yeah the same was a like, serious song exactly I mean when a cowboy trades his first for wings is kind of amusing i guess but the tone of the song is not
0: oh next one sorry
4: trying to make you laugh like that's just not kind of the thing they go for recently i
5: i will say what i think does help i'm just ken besides it being like an integral song to the film in the middle for that character is that there's a pretty strong chance ryan gosling could get a supporting actor nomination if you're gonna play his clip it's literally going to be the scene where he's walking and he's doing the gestures as he's singing I'm Just Ken at the end. Like, I, they're going to want, like, if these strike hype, like ends amicably soon, you know, they're going to want Barbenheimer, they're going to want Gosling performing it. It is, it I I, I really feel that they're going to go with I'm Just Ken. I'm not saying it's going to win or nothing. I, I think, you know, they'll probably lean more towards um, the Billie Eilish song. But I've seen a lot of conversation about, like, you know, the maybe the Dua Lipa song instead of I'm Just Ken, which to me that feels more like the, um, the song in Top Gun last year that plays on the beach that misses. Like, it's just a fun, you know, poppy song compared to, like, I'm Just Ken is, to a lot of people, like, some of the highlight of that film.
4: I don't think it's a highlight. It's- yeah. And yeah, well, what is
5: I made for? Is a song that I keep hearing on the radio. I keep yeah. hearing it played in department stores I
4: walk oh, into. I heard at the yes. airport the other day. Yep. <laughs> I can I just think it's funny that you know we're not even saying which Barbie, Barbie song is gonna get in or potentially could win. It's like, what's the second one that's gonna get in or yeah. it's just so strong right now? Color purple.
0: Okay. Not a so, mm, couple of troubling things that were said there. Um, because if you ask me, if you're not even going to nominate I'm Just Ken for Best Original Song, I feel like that would be such a travesty. You should just cancel the category. (laughs) Cancel the category and never bring it back. That's how passionately I feel. And I never say that. But it's like, I'm sorry. Not only should it be nominated, it should win in a landslide. It was... It's a musical number inside the most watched movie of the year.
1: Do you think um Taylor Swift has a <laughs> chance of for, what? One, <laughs> for what? For <laughs> what? What does she write? For the Eras <laughs> Tour?
0: I don't think that counts on it. I don't think it counts because <laughs> it, it because it has to. Yes, it is. But it has to be a song written for it. So unless it was like if it, if it was like an original track that was written for the release of the movie, not the concert, but the release of the movie, then it would qualify. Thanks. <laughs> but it would be funny, though.
1: It would be amazing. Um, Didn't she? Was it her? Didn't she do a song, though, this year? For a movie?
0: I think they tried to submit All Too Well last year. Uh, because she did the All Too uh, Well short movie. Uh, which she also tried to um, get nominated. But, like, um, the Academy slammed the door hard on her. That was one of the only times I think she, like, outward, uh, like outright like, failed. Was, like, yeah. she tried to get nominations for that. Okay. For best short film. And it's like, yeah. Like, it it it's okay. Um, But, um... The thing is, I don't. I think maybe once she's been nominated, I think the Golden Globes have nominated her more for songs she's written for movies. The Academy has not responded that well to her specifically just yet. Um, however, I would think that both "I'm Just Ken" and "What Was I Made For" will be nominated. Now mm-hmm. the trick becomes
1: which one, moves?
0: and the thing I, is,
1: I. Honestly, we'll be surprised if I'm just Ken wins, um,
0: I because it's so surprise. obvious. But it's like it's in their yeah. nature to go for the one that's not so obvious. That being yes. said, the Billie Eilish song wouldn't be a bad winner.
1: No, it's it's really good. It's a
0: really good song. It's also in, yes. in, in maybe in more ways than I'm just Ken, the 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 song of the movie, mm-hmm. um, and Billie Eilish and, is all, and the thing is she's already won she's won once before Mm -hmm. two years ago for um james bond Hmm.
1: yep so she could win again and also if they don't get ryan gosling to perform this song they have truly failed But well, I also I, I think Brian Gosling
0: like, agrees to it because I wanna say I remember them I remember he, he and Emma being uh-huh. asked to perform for the La La Land so songs cool. and they were like, Thanks, but no thanks. Let John Legend do it.
3: Yeah.
2: Mm. I hope they do it and just get some all of all the male actors <laughs> sitting down. Oh just, just, just get really them up and have a dance. Dance. <laughs> that'd be so great. Bradley Cooper put it all out
0: there, and so did Lady Gaga in that performance. Ryan and Emma should have done that too.
1: They should have, but it's also kind of funny if he does do this and he didn't do all of that. <laughs> Remember their reactions to the fumble? Oh my, oh my god. god! I still think about it. It's so funny. I
2: I see Emma Stone like talking he's to someone on, laughing. on the back. And He's just like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I'm just like, oh my gosh! They called the wrong movie, didn't they?
0: I spent so much of my life trying to block that out.
1: The reactions were funny though.
0: Yeah, they were. After. Oh, that was an old wound to reopen, that's for sure. Um, although we haven't talked about it lately, but I'm really getting excited for Bradley Cooper's new movie. I'm sure if you guys have heard about it, it's called Maestro. It is um, based on the relationship between uh, Leonard Bernstein and his wife, played by Carey Mulligan. Both performances are being talked about as potential nominees for Best Lead Actor and Best Lead Actress. Um, uh, and the film has gotten really stellar reviews. Um, apparently it's a much harder swing um, than A Star Is Born was, which I thought A Star Is Born was very, very good. Um, So... Interesting. There were yeah. some people saying that he might. Um, I don't think he's no he. He hasn't won, has he? For acting, I don't. No, he hasn't.
1: <coughs> no, because no. it was Jennifer Lawrence who won
0: for that movie, and uh-huh. I think I think Bradley Cooper would have won in a weaker year in that category, but he was up against Daniel Day Lewis who played Lincoln, so yeah. that was like. Ish. That's a tough category, but I still think to me, my favorite performance I mean, this still year's is going to be
1: a tough. tough that's category that's so. the thing.
0: It's like, are we sure Killian Murphy's got this? I think he deserves it, but does he got this? Because I think he's got competition from particularly Bradley Cooper. I think because he looks amazing in those trailers.
1: Honestly, the actors one this year is going to be really fun to watch
0: because we also have competing uh, Jeffrey Wright from American Fiction is competing. Uh, and looking to get a nomination. Paul Giamatti from The Holdovers. Um, and I think Leo DiCaprio, I don't think he'll win, but I think he'll be nominated because he's Leo and it's Killers of the Flower Moon. And I honestly, now haven't seen it four times, which phew, 16 hours. God damn. <laughs> 16 hours. Um, I I think um, it's a really good performance. It's It's very yeah. uncharacteristic for him to play a character like that and he, I think he does an amazing job uh, and I think he does deserve a nomination
3: yeah um, definitely so I think those
0: are our five Leo Paul Jeffrey Bradley and Killian um which is stacked that do is do you think um fuck what's his
1: name we were just talking about this movie
0: Paul Giamatti no Killian yeah. Murphy which movie?
1: Um uh, The Ridley Scott One.
0: Oh, Joaquin Phoenix.
1: <clears throat> His movies always get nominated though.
0: The pro there's a couple of problems. The field is already too stacked, and that film hasn't opened. In um if you're gonna be opening opening in late November, December you're kind of already behind. And there's also the potentiality of it being moved to next year. Um, regardless of how good or not it is, it's hard to see him getting in. And because he already won pretty recently, I think people are good on awarding So did Leo. Him. That's true. Um, although he should have won for Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, not for The Revenant. Yeah.
1: Honestly, he should have. Or
0: Wolf of North Wall Street. Wolf of Ooh, Wall yeah, Street.
1: that was a, No, don't don't even. Who know it was
0: won it. that year? Was it was it a McConaughey? I think it was Matthew McConaughey. I think it was. And I'm for like the mm. Dallas
1: Buyers Club.
0: Yeah. <laughs> but you know what? This actually gives us a, a connection to, into something else that I also felt was something of an enigma because I had not seen it. The year 2016, where Ryan Gosling was nominated for Best Actor um, but for La La Land. But I think in retrospect, still, he wouldn't. In In that time, I would have loved for him to win. But I think in retrospect, I think it should have been Andrew Garfield's year um, for Silence, which is a film no one saw. Did you see Silence? Have you guys seen that movie?
1: I haven't finished it, but only He's... because I was watching it with my roommate and she was like, um, Not Lord. into it. She wasn't
0: into yeah. it. Yeah. She's a normie. <laughs> can appreciate real cinema.
1: <laughs> the the things that I did watch were
0: you got to finish it because it, it's 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 brutal. Uh, and he's amazing, and he goes through hell, and he should have been nominated. He was, but for a different movie, <laughs> which is also didn't he Hacksaw Ridge.
1: That's a good movie.
0: Yeah, it's a good movie, and he was great in it. Um, but he was much. I think he was. He should have been for Silence. Um, but the person that ended up winning that year was Casey Affleck for Manchester by the Sea, which is a film that David um uh what was it? It was uh, referencing, uh, I think it was last week or the week before about a film that he actually really enjoyed. Um, And I had not seen it up until this past weekend. Um, Mm -hmm. It was on Amazon Prime and I played it and I've got a lot of thoughts about it. On the whole, Mm -hmm. they're very positive, very positive thoughts because I think it's, um, I'm very happy I waited until 2023 because I don't think 2016 me would have appreciated that film nearly as much as I do now. And correct me if I'm wrong, David, but just real quick stuff. Um, Affleck deserved that win. He was great. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and the film in and of itself was very surprising in how it chose to reveal certain things. There's a sequence in the middle toward the latter half of the film where you end up being revealed um, what exactly happened to this guy to end up being so depressed. And it is heart-wrenching. I was mm. shaking, mm-hmm. like, literally when I was putting together, like, what, what, what happened? but um the visuals are beautiful uh amazing the mm-hmm. score is fantastic um michelle williams devastated me oh, in that in that scene God. where she was like i love it. Mm. God, it was so i mean she probably should have won for that
2: just that I one she, scene i think people were were like she didn't get dominated i think she did she did oh she did, oh, she did. okay yeah. but she didn't win <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> But no, yeah, she was fantastic in it, especially that one scene between the two of them. Oh, my gosh. And the thing is, I kept thinking so much in the way that it opens and it closes
0: so much in the way that um, the score is used so much in the way how the visuals add on to the icy isolation of what's going on with our characters. Mm -hmm. I kept thinking so much of a different movie that is a perfect companion piece because that also has all those features but it's also a film about isolation and that is The Banshees of Sharon. Oh, right, right,
2: right, right. Yeah, I forgot that movie for a second. right. No, that's right. We... I mean, cause it's because yeah.
0: you kicked it out of your top 10, remember?
2: <laughs> you
0: kicked that out of your top 10 for Mrs. Harris.
2: Yep. <laughs>
0: uh, so yeah. I think that's oh. why you blocked it out. Mm-hmm. But I think yeah, those two think films go well together.
2: Yeah, I think so. because, like it's on a tiny setting. <laughs> and so By the water too. By the water too, yeah. Cold. And
0: so, mm-hmm. And also oh, wow. about grief. In a way. More so in Manchester, but also with um uh Banshees had had a different tick or twist on it, but still it's uh it's about people who are not very happy. Mm-hmm. Um And, you know, it might not sound like the funnest movie to watch. And it's not. It's actually quite devastating. But it is so worth it. I was like, this is really good. This is really good. For sure. Uh, And it, it, by the way, it it won for Casey Affleck that year. And it also won for Best Screenplay uh, for Kenneth Lonergan. And I think it was well-deserved, you know, looking back on it. So, Mm -hmm. uh, it's streaming on Amazon Prime. For those that want to see it. So before we end up doing another three hour show, let's just go ahead and get to the movie review that we're here to do or to <laughs> talk about this year. I mean, not this year. This today. Today. Sorry. I'm just ugh, I'm tired. All right. So the film that we're talking about today is one that I mentioned before a few weeks ago, but nobody else has seen. But thankfully, both of these two people <laughs> uh, saw. And it was actually a film that was released back in June. And it got so much praise. Um, this is the directorial debut for Celine's song called Past Lives. It stars Greta Lee, um, Tao Yu, and John Magaro. And this is the description provided to us by Letterboxd. Nora and Song, two deeply connected childhood friends, are rest apart after Nora's family emigrates from South Korea. 20 years later, they are reunited for one fateful week as they confront notions of love and destiny. Um, you know, (sighs) watching this film, I was just, um, almost instantly struck with, um, how intimate and how personal it was. Um, and I was really struck with, um, at a certain point, I think I just forgot I was watching a movie and I was um, really learning about these two people as individuals. And um, I'm curious to hear what you guys thought about it. But I know that watching the film, there were so many sequences where I was left really moved, you know, by the idea of these two people who had a really strong connection at one point but then one relocated (laughs) one relocated um, away and they had no contact for a whole 12 years and then they just have an off encounter online and um, to me the two lead actors were absolutely magnetic Um, I was just in the movie the whole way through. I it, Obviously, the film is aiming for and is going to leave you with um, a melancholic vibe. Um, but to me, one of the best ways I can describe this film is it's quietly devastating. Um, And for me, one of the reasons for why it ended up working so well was because um, it just rem- it also, in a way, reminded me of, of why boyhood worked so well with me because it reminded me of places I've been in my life and people who I've had in my life. Um, and not to compare you know, the relationship that these two characters have to other people that I've had in my life, but there are plenty of people who I've met uh, at different points who I no longer have contact with. And it just made me think of like, what would it be like if some person I hadn't talked to in 10 plus years and 20 plus years, if we were in that situation? And I mean, there were plenty of people, there are plenty of people who I would give anything to have that opportunity with, who are still around, but we just don't have to have any more contact with. And um, for me anyway, I I thought it was extremely moving and the performances were very reserved. But still, um, powerful all the same. Uh, and then also, let's not forget John Magaro here, who plays um, the husband and the role that he has to play in this as well, which is also very surprising because when he was first introduced, and then later when they talk about high song, by the way, at this point spoilers, um, you you kind of get the idea that mm, they're gonna use that trope of the jealous, you know husband and him being threatened and on on some level he was but not really though like and and they take it in a far more mature uh they deal with it in a much more mature way that enhances that character enhances that performance but also enhances the film overall um I loved it you guys
1: I I did too
0: mm-hmm. I
1: I feel like there's so much that you could say about mm-hmm. this movie or, like, to think about, like, it leaves you... And you know what? Like, I just... When you said that it reminds you of Boyhood, it reminded me of La La Land, mm. where it's kind of the same situation, except they do show you the what if, whereas here they don't. Oh, yes! The ending of La La Land! That's r- oh, that Oh, God, yeah, you remind me of that ending. <laughs> oh, my God! <laughs> You know, and that, Lala Land has always stayed with me since mm-hmm. the first time I watched it. Like, it's it's one of the movies I think about a lot. Um,
0: no small part just... in thanks to Darth Vader.
1: Yes. Um, Can you please explain that reference? Got... <laughs> Do you know what happened to me? Wait, what
2: are you saying about?
0: <laughs> Alexis and I saw La Land together at one of the theaters in Jolla Vista, and in a very quiet, intimate um, part of the film, uh, Alexis sat on a keychain, I believe, or something. Was it a keychain? Uh, her Darth Vader keychain. She sat on it, and while everybody in the in the theater was so quiet, you hear, and then everybody in our group just starts laughing. <laughs> oh
1: my god! It was like a moment where it just went completely silent too. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it it just. It gave me that feeling of like, and you know, I I like things that make me feel sad, <laughs> which I know is like. You should though. Not it, okay. it makes you feel, it makes you, it reminds you of being It makes me feel seen. Because right, because like, we're sad all yeah. the time, right? <laughs> but just <Yeah>. sad sex. <laughs> um, Like it just, you know, it reminds you that, like, you know, it's okay to have like feelings not good feelings feelings at all, and you know it, it's it's I feel like it it when you see movies like this, it helps you be like, okay, I'm not the only one yes. dealing with these things mm-hmm. you know, um, so that's why I really like the movie. um I loved every single character, yeah, I had like a moment where I could not handle it <laughs> um. I think my favorite character though out of all of them has to be the husband.
0: Yeah.
1: Oh, I my watched God. it again
0: this past weekend and I was like, wow, like he's a really big part of this and
1: it, His I his line when they're in in bed oh. I it I literally he said it and I turned to David and just start bawling.
0: <laughs>
1: I was like
0: Which one? Cuz there's a the, lot of them in that scene.
1: Oh my god, when he said, um, feel like you make big... my world hmm. so big, I just wish that, or I hope that I would do the same for you. Ooh, it's just literally kill me.
0: There's another place, <laughs> another line in that same scene, you dream in a language that I can't understand. <sighs> it's like there's this whole place inside you where I can't go.
1: Oh my god. Like the screenplay,
0: I'm sorry right now. I mean, I, I know that it's a stack, you know, year, but it will be a crime against humanity. If nothing else, this doesn't get a nomination for screenplay.
1: Even, even, um, I
0: would love to read uh, this. The other
1: guy, when he tells her, you know, I liked you because you were you, <laughs> <laughs> kill me. And you had
0: to leave because you were you.
1: Oh, there's like my God. this. And even, the part, oh my god, I think I, I really like this part where they were left alone, both guys at the bar, and he tells them, we're also each other's in In, you? in union, yeah. <laughs> Please. And and the, the husband's like, yeah, I know. Please. And it, it, it was also funny because um, we watched this movie with my dad. <laughs> and we asked him, like, do you wanna see it? And it was another um what's the other movie with um the Irish one?
2: Uh yeah, Banshees of India.
1: Uh-huh. Um where we're like, Oh, do you wanna watch it? And he's like, if I start falling asleep, I'm gonna go to bed and we were like, Okay he was crying at the end of the movie
2: (laughs) (laughs) wow um, both banshees in this one he he just stayed for the entire thing it's it's always fun when that happens
1: (laughs) and um the moment where i was we were all literally panicking but and i told i explained it to david like this where you know how you alexis and peter um have this thing where if you see like embarrassing moments in movies like you just cringe that you just can't watch it Mm -hmm. yeah my thing was when the two of them were talking in front of the husband in a different language i could not handle that i literally was like you need to stop you need to stop right now (laughs) like i it was giving me like panic attacks (laughs) Mm -hmm.
0: that scene you talked about i saw it just today before we got on the show just to finish off my rewatch and i couldn't breathe like I, I, yeah. I, it's, it's like it's like it's so rare to be so arrested in the moment, to be so in the moment like that, where you're just like waited with bated breath.
1: Yeah, and it's literally just two people talking. Yes, that's but cinema. So
3: much, <laughs> yes,
1: I don't know. I I love that scene, but I I'm also like I can't watch that just mm. because. Again, I think that the husband is my favorite character mm-hmm. in this movie, and I just. And, like, I haven't been in that position, but I understand, like, you're not part of this, you know? Like, I I know that feeling. Yeah. So, it's, like...
0: It's awkward, (laughs) for sure, to say the
1: least. Oh, I I really like this movie. And then, at the end, when she starts crying... Because, like, throughout the whole movie, like, my dad was making commentary of, like, oh, hell no. Like, (laughs)
3: Like,
1: I would be throwing hands, you know? Um... If he was the husband in
0: that situation, yeah, a lot and of guys would. That's the reality. Yeah, a lot of that, men that's, would.
1: That's what I told him, like at the end of the movie, because he's like, if that were me, like I would be like, do you even like care about me? And I'm like, but that's like the. I think the the whole point is like it it wasn't about him.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: It was about her, and and not even the other guy. This was about her. Mm-hmm. She she literally told us, you know, I that she loved him and you know, she wasn't going to go anywhere. Like we had absolutely no reason to not trust her. Mm -hmm. Um, But I don't, I don't even think it's, she's crying because of him. I think she's just crying because of what, what could have been her life, not even with him, just her life in general, Right. if she hadn't gone away, you know? Mm -hmm. And I think that that was like hitting her the whole and i yeah and like (laughs) uh, yeah and like the fact that you know he wasn't angry like yes he was gonna be self-conscious about it like who who's who was it you know (laughs) who wouldn't be but i think that um the fact that he was so like mature about it and understood that um you know she and he tells her too like i know you like i know that you wouldn't but i still have these feelings and the fact that she also like let him talk about it and yeah. open up about it you know yeah. and nobody was the thing is
0: yes i love it so much but like even that there's so many layers of complexity because we've seen movies uh that have relationships like these do it in the most boring way possible where like people would like be talking over each other they'd be yelling they'd be blowing up nothing and the thing is it's so refreshing to see a film actually deal in relationships that are healthy and honest and open yes you know with the way that they should be yes you know not with you know being quick to violence or all this other crap
1: i think that that's what i was like trying to tell my dad Mm -hmm. it didn't come off that way i think Mm. but to his comment of like oh no i would have immediately like blamed her or said something that like would make her feel guilty about having feelings and about the situation that she's lived Mm -hmm. that i will never understand um i don't
0: know but but to also to to explore a little bit where your dad would be coming from where a lot of men would be coming from mm -hmm. is, and you also do you do see layers of it here with john magaro who plays the husband here but like you see the fear you see the worry in his face because even he's and i I love that he said it because he they're both writers that's how they meet together at a writer's retreat. yeah but he even says like this is such a perfect story how can i compete in the in yeah. movies that we yeah. see I'm the person that people root Broke against my heart mm-hmm. and <sighs> and he and the thing is not just with him but with every performance in this film um so much is said with just this with their eyes and their facial mm-hmm. expressions
2: I literally said so much was so very there's very little dialogue but so much was said
0: yeah
1: <laughs> yeah
0: and you feel for him and it's like and the thing is like he's being he's being such a big guy for allowing this to happen now the reality and,
1: and even and even like saying that like i feel like that is like the first thing that we think yeah. of Yeah. allowing this to happen yeah.
0: you which know which is I mean? really what i what i meant to say is like cuz that's how most guys treat it where the reality yeah. is like it, it's not his decision it's hers yeah. she ultimately should have full autonomy as to what decision she makes about what who she has in her life you know uh-huh. um God, there's just so many perspectives to deal with this from because um,
1: yeah, and like even with with hi son, sorry, I, I yes him, um, like his growth throughout yes. the movie as well is like,
0: I mean, there's a, crazy their initial reconnection. I was in tears, just like, mm. like you felt the power of two people reconnecting for the first time in twelve years, and you just couldn't help but think of yourself if you were in that position, saying mm-hmm. hi to an old friend. Who, who knows if they're even out there anymore? And it, it, the thing, it felt so natural. Again, like it felt like you weren't even watching a movie at some point. And it, like, it's just so amazing to think how 12 years apart and that magic came back just like that. And mm. you felt, um, then obviously he had feelings for her and she hadn't thought about him until she, he initiated and, re- and reconnected with her. But then, Again, this is why the screenplay is so great because it gets to a point where, and you see on her face when she makes the decision, and she's like, because she has to ask him, are you ever going to come here? And I can't go over there. And then she's like, I can't be sitting here because I'm looking up flights to go see you um, in South, you know, in Korea. And the thing is that, that that in and of itself is such a resonant line because I'm, I'm happy that we also have a film here where we, we have a female protagonist who is not you know, forced to give up her career for some guy. And at no point does she ever entertain that. She even repeats that later yeah. in the film that would never have happened in the first place because she values her career as she should more yeah. than a romantic relationship. But then, because mm-hmm. the, it was heartbreaking to hear her say "like we have to stop talking, I all but shut down when High Song said to her, it took me 12 years to find my friend. And of course, yeah. I get a cough at the end of that. Oh, my God. That was so—that was yeah. the perfect timing. I don't know if anybody at <laughs> the podcast can hear this, but like, just, yeah, you hear the cough and like, I said this probably. I can
2: morning. hear her in my room. So oh, my God. Probably, I probably got picked up.
0: It took me 12 <laughs> years to find my friend. Like, oh, my God. Yeah. It's,
1: Yeah. It's it's so good. It's so and then, good. Yeah. David, sorry.
2: No, oh yeah, David's here. <laughs> 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 no, I I, 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 this wasn't me like not being able to figure out what to say. It's just uh, the reason why I stay quiet is because we wouldn't let you talk. I, we wouldn't let
0: you talk. I'm sorry. Just we were just talking <laughs> we about you.
2: No, 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 it's, it's fine. Uh, part of the reason why I was staying quiet is because I feel like this movie didn't hit me mm. as hard as you guys. I, I really liked it, but for many different reasons, I mm-hmm. <laughs> think from you guys. So that's why I, I was waiting for my turn. Sure. (laughs) And so, no, yeah, like I said, I, I really did like this movie. I love movies where I love scenes in movies where there's just very little dialogue. And this one had like very, Mm -hmm. very little dialogue. But like I said, but so much is being said just by through their acting or from the silence too. Look look at that image behind you,
0: David, Mm -hmm. that you put up on the screen. So much of the movie relies on those two actors looking at each other, and you're so mesmerized. There's mm-hmm. nothing being said. That's mm. that's the power of filmmaking. That's the power of cinema. How impressive is this? This is a directorial debut. This mm-hmm. is her first movie.
2: Yeah, and she really tried to, like, use... um stock footage i guess you could say mm. to really like fill in the gaps of those moments and all that a couple of things real, real quick i don't want to cut
0: you off real but this is important her background is mainly in the, in the theater so you see her strengths as a playwright really help in this film but also to that not that I don't think it, it it um harms <coughs> the film in any way but this was filmed during COVID. so i think um hmm. by design it so it needed to though. be economical and they needed to be like in a lot of the spaces. She made it work. Yeah, she made it work. Yeah. I, don't think, I, I personally, like, couldn't really tell there was, I guess, budgetary, like, restraints. Like, I didn't think mm-hmm. of that at all.
2: Yeah, mm-hmm. for sure. But, you know, she, like I said, she really relied on just other stock footage to kind of fill in the gaps and all that. But also really they like, her imagery on certain moments put them together. Um, you know, the biggest one, first one, is when they both separate. Uh, when they're little kids and all that, but also like the imagery of when they're together, I guess maybe you can say they're m- when they're most entertained is in the beginning. There's like, there's that, um, art thing with the big face on it, you know, they're facing each other, but there's like a stick in the middle, basically showing like they're together, but something is separating them. It's the fork in the road. On, fork in the road. Yeah. And then later on <clears throat> they when they first meet in New York, um, it's, Another piece of art in the back. It's two of them facing away from each other yes. and another fork in the road yes. where there's this like, they're together, but they're, this they're, distant. Work out. they're distant. They're yeah. distant. It's not going to work. But then at the very end, it's all, it's just that gate, that little blue gate where it's just kind of, it's just them mm-hmm. together. It's not this perfect thing. It's not this perfect relationship. They're not going <laughs> to, <laughs> they're together but they're going to be apart from now on. Mm -hmm. And so it it wasn't... It's not life getting in the way or anything like that. It's just they're not...
1: The way it is. They're separate.
2: It's just the way it is. Yeah. And so, like I said, she relied on 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 the imagery, which is why I like this movie. Um, The the other thing I liked is the relationship. This wasn't like... um, When they were together, this wasn't like... They're always having fun with each other or anything or they're always making jokes with each other like no every single time they meet it's just silence they're comfortable with each other mm. and that's what part that's part of what makes their relationship great is just that I don't know what it is but I I just know I can be me with you whereas <laughs> <laughs> but as when she is with her husband though it's like he I think they both know that they bring out the best in each other somehow because they're both writers you know they're both trying to push each other to do bigger things and she can't be that with Hai son she one of them will literally have to give up their life to mm-hmm. be with each other and
1: i mean she even says in in that conversation um with her husband in the beginning <clears throat> where she keeps saying he's so korean yeah you and, know and but that's another aspect there
0: it's like it's not just that she's longing it it, it never is that she's just longing for him or longing for a life with him a life of her homeland her home country like what would have been like if she had (laughs) remained in korea
2: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and and that's the other thing too it's like like i said there's this thing between them that like they can just be each other Mm -hmm. but at the same time they're not the same person because they both lived in had very different lives right and she doesn't but it, it, that's part of that's probably what makes it uncomfortable at times is that she can't relate to him because he is so korean and she is yeah. korean <clears throat> um canadian because she was in canada wasn't she
0: yeah she went to toronto um,
2: yeah so which it, imme-
0: immediately made me think of uh turning red because that's what I mean, that's weird. right right <laughs> I was like, which is a great, a really great movie that I was yeah. the only person to put in their top ten for whatever reason last year. I just wanted to put that out there. <laughs> and, um, hey, here's that.
2: Um, continue. Um, no, I think that's it. Like I said, is you know, it didn't hit me as hard as you guys, but like I understood. Watch it everything. again. Maybe yeah. watch it again. Maybe Maybe give it some
0: time and watch it again. Again, yeah, I, I think watch we have to be clear though. <laughs> like,
2: there are plenty of
0: movies that I watched the first time that didn't really hit me the way that it was supposed to until a couple of rewatches, you know? And then there are also mm-hmm. films that you watch the first time, they hit you really hard, but then after a while, they they don't work with you the same way that it did. So the thing is, our relationship with movies will continue to change as we grow mm-hmm. older and older. Mm-hmm. So, And I'm not saying that you're invalid. No, you're perfectly no, yeah. valid for feeling the way that it is. And, and you still
2: really like the film. Um, So... A couple of things. No, yeah. No, go ahead. Oh, go ahead. No, no, you, you go. Um, well, yeah, like I said, I just... Like I said, it didn't hit me emotionally, but like, I just understood everything that this person... that the director was trying to do mm-hmm. with this movie. All those moments, all those silences, what she was trying to say in each and every one of those. I didn't it at all. It just didn't hit me. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, personally, um, it is... <sighs> Greta Lee, who is, of course, playing Nora here in this film, she has to navigate so much. And I think... <sighs> after um having gone through that whole ordeal in the film it's really earned that last shot where she's just like she breaks um and that alone i think is should warrant at the very least a conversation for her being included in best actress um you know i don't know if she probably she's not going to get nominated because it's maybe it's too small of a film and it came out too early in the year but like across the spider-verse another great film that probably won't get um the nominations that's owed but i still think Pass Light has a good chance at a best picture nom and a best screenplay nom because they're that good and i would also champion this for a best original score nomination because i love the score in this film it's not maybe it doesn't stick with you at first because it's like it but you know sometimes the best scores you don't notice yet until you go back in here but I, I love the score as well um now we're gonna have a little bit more to say on this I, if you don't if mind i want to read um From an article by brendan hodges um one of the critics that i really um have grown to like and has like really great input on movies and everything he wrote a piece about the liminal spaces of past lives so if you could please bear with me Uh, hopefully this won't be that long but um this is what it says here um talking about like all the different spaces in this movie an artist residency at golden hour A city park thick with trees and an amber lit nightmare bar not nightmare nighttime bar are a few of the carefully chosen locations featured in past lives which uses place image and sound to gently capture profound revelations about the lives we live and some of the lives that we didn't song that's the director uncovers these revelations through her own life as a korean immigrant who fell in love across continents and decades and reunited with a childhood sweetheart this actually happened by the way parts of it after she was married uh to someone else from the deceptive this from the deceptively smallest of stories song effortlessly bottles as though she's catching lightning how life can be transient but connected uh chanced and faded ephemeral yet everlasting to try and do justice to all song has to say and how elegantly she can say it turns casual chatter into half-conjured um, lyricism. Past Lives inspires the lyrical and the lofty. To describe it in ordinary or casual terms seems impossible. But while we try, perhaps clumsily, to express all Past Lives has to offer us, um, Song's done it through the tools of cinema. Uh, She's no stranger to how specifics of a story's environment radically reshape how we feel. In 2020, Song, originally a playwright, updated um, Chekhov's classic The Seagull through the virtual proscenium of The Sims 4. The performance was streamed on Twitch with a voice cast, and Song not only replied to the live commenters watching in, but she let them influence the show. It was a unique achievement in multimedia storytelling revealing an artist with a keen sense of how uh, how form influences we engage with stories, or maybe how from influences. Video games are an interactive medium and film isn't. Uh, still, the same ethos is infused in every moment of past lives, which like the visual storytelling uh, of other films, curates the geography of urban architecture as a metaphor for internalized human feeling that's what you said david because you see that the the uh the architecture that we see uh, on their first date in korea and then also when they f- actually for reals meet up in person 20 years later um you'll know what i'm saying right just to be clear. okay mm-hmm. all right so song's surrogate in nora a playwright whom uh we first meet in a bar at a distance with two men beside her and soon after a child up close Like Todd Fields Tar, the introductory minutes of past lives follow an unknown character, another patron at the bar, speculating the opening is great, I forgot about that. Speculating Mm -hmm. who this unlikely trio is at this past at this bar past midnight and what they might mean to each other. Um The unnamed speaker makes guesses, trying to piece together new combinations and may explain this odd apparent thruple song's prologue is a trick of point of view and a lesson in context initially arthur seems like a forgotten third wheel but by the end it's clear his silence is an act of espousal trust a discovery earned slowly as song lets the intricate narrative threads of her story unspool at almost empty late and almost empty late night bar is a perfect first venue for songs purposes because like nearly every location in past lives it has the quality of the liminal it is a place that is both public and private with invisible walls that separate groups and couples transparent boundaries that allow voyeurs from without and intimacy within like most of the arousing backdrops featured across the film's multiple cities and continents it's a place you're eventually expected to leave um you know, dear few scenes take place inside rooted nest or a home or an apartment. Instead, the drama is set almost entirely in locations that imply transit, loss, or change. Boats, trains, airports, parks, libraries, hotels, sky trams, and many car, um, rides. The handful of scenes that do take place in a home welcomes the liminal like an invasive force. Nora's first reconnection with Song since childhood is filtered through unstable low-bandwidth video emphasizing how fleeting their new bond truly is. Further, when we meet Nora as a child, it's another place between places, another under a canopy of electrical wires as she and Hyesung walk home from school. When they first hold hands, It's in the backseat of a car in motion. Nora's Korean name is Na Young, and when she's asked to choose a new one, which is Nora Moon, her parents are already packing to leave. When we first meet Nora and Arthur as a married couple, it's not in the warm domain of their Brooklyn flat, but in an airport terminal, another of past lives' many arrivals and departures. Similarly, we can look at how Song quietly dwells on the train cars and ferries as Nora and Hai Song ride them. Traveling to a final destination of a park overlooking a panorama of bridges and boats, a living map of a population in phrases of crossing. That's the image you see behind David right there. That scene. These locations bear the markers of passing and transference, emotional and physical, asking us and her characters what we can leave behind and what we can't. It's a question of where we move. How our goals evolve, and how our agency influences how some relationships blossom and others wither. Which parts of our identity can we let shift? These are the universal questions explored through Song's specific lens. Unpacking the immigrant experience in equally liminal space or terms as an airport terminal or Shanghai hotel room, caught between cultures um, after Nora and Sung's first outings as adults. Nora confesses she feels less but also more Korean when she's with him. The paradox of a diasporic or yeah, the diasporic identity she's still trying to to process. He's so Korean, she says, reminding her of a culture she feels once belonged to her and no longer fully does. When Nora's mom is asked why the family is moving around, she answers, "If we leave something behind, you gain something too." This is the film's thesis statement but it could be a trying platitude song treats it as both acknowledging the honest messiness and emotional complexity that comes from being between places between romances between identities there is the old axiom the more specific the story the more universal it feels past lives proves it's true almost done guys (laughs) stay with me (laughs) eventually song lets us um lets us get to know nora high song and arthur but on her terms and her way like the transparent boundaries she creates around her characters she has boundaries too some figurative but many literal she decides how close we're allowed to get to nora and by extension herself alternating traditional close-ups with compositions that distance us song Constantly uses frames within frames. Characters positioned inside doorways, train windows, house windows, car windows, hotel windows, phone windows, and computer windows. When we see Nora and Hisung's hands holding a metal beam on a train for support, that's the poster of the movie, by the way, their hands are nearly overlapping, almost primed to consummate their meeting with an extramarital holding of hands. We see it through. An extramarital, uh, no, we see it through another train car's window. That's right. We see Arthur for the first time through the window of the artist's residency. We see Haesung, I'm sorry, when Haesung asks Nora to visit him in Seoul, they mutually realize it won't work and the camera rests on a window looking outside as a day turns into night, setting the sun in their hopes for a relationship. Wow. I didn't catch any of this inside Nora and Arthur's apartment song sometimes frames their bedroom uh cuddles and pillow talk through the door wide uh, or the doors wide windows hey. returning us to the point of view of the opening scene as a voyeur a guest in these characters lives and our last glimpse of high song in the final seconds of past lives is through the window of a car tack him to the airport the film's final farewell almost there guys I wanted to organize this piece around song, uh, song's matrix of visual symbols breaking them down through a few categories like airports bo- boats, cars and restaurants I found it impossible to, an impossible task songs transitory spaces aren't just those that bring bodies from one place to another they are porous leaking through time and memory this begins with a few delicate split second flashbacks the flashes of reminiscence to Nora and sung as kids when they first meet in um, in a New York city park or a glimpse of the um, bifurcated street in childhood that signified their separate paths in this life. I say this life because as past life ends, sung invokes the Korean concept of Inyun. The idea that either signifies how relationships are cosmically faded over 8,000 lifetimes or changed or sorry, chanced interaction, or maybe just that person who mentions it. Uh, for Hyasong, it's probably both. Uh, he longingly tells Nora he'll catch her in the next life cycle, adding another layer of their life in eight thousand. Which, by the way, that line was "see you next when we're dead." <laughs> sorry, like that's what I thought. I was like, yeah, <laughs> past. Past Lives begins with children catching the sparks of early love and ends not with death, but with a recognition of our mortality. This signals that each life and each moment is just the past tense for some future self in this future or the next, infusing each meeting with Inyun or maybe the reminiscence of to come. By revealing Past Lives as a kind of extended flashback for the possible future lives of Nora, Sung, and Arthur, With bookends between past and future, the film becomes the ultimate liminal space as a life between lives, a space between spaces, or maybe just between childhood and old age. In a post-film Q&A, I was surprised to hear that Song has a degree in philosophy and an MFA in playwriting. She wields the heady rigor of a philosopher with the grace of a narrative artist expressing complex, deeply melancholic, time-warping notions of our reality and how our lives are lived through the understated elegance of visual poetry using every location shape curve or window as a new stanza there are not many movies that rewrite how i experience time and place in it but proudly past lives is one of them Um, I had not read this piece before, but I had realized it would be something that would add something of an extra layer to this. And I was like, oh, okay, (laughs) you looked into this like, whoa. And I, none of this stuff that he'd mentioned there even occurred to me, but so much of the film is low, is just from them getting from one place to the other on different modes of transportation. So much of the film and and crucial scenes happen, um, to the perspective of, of, um, or the camera being placed near a window. The film the yeah. filmmaking here is exquisite. And um. I I think like um it deserves to be mentioned as one of the best films of the year. And I truly honest to God hope that it does not get forgotten when nominations come around. Um I don't see it getting too much honestly, but I'm hopeful for best picture and best screenplay. And I believe that is possible because last year women talking got that screenplay and, uh, picture. And, um, that's a roadmap. It could follow. Unfortunately, um, I think it came out too early in the year for people to be remembering so much about it. Um, but also this is off topic, but it also just begs the question how, um, while there may be a number of really, truly deserving movies that will be nominated and, ma- and might some win this year. um, to me, this year, more than any other year, it would feel really strange that what many consider to be the best film of the year wouldn't be included because of its medium, and that would be animation. Cross Spider Verse was a cultural moment, um, mm-hmm. and it was easily one of the best looking films ever made. It, it is, in my view, an achievement in filmmaking. On top of it being a great film. Clearly your dad agrees. Um, so um, the idea that we're going to go into an awards season, but this one's not included. Even more so than any other animated films that I think we could have entertained. This one? It, yeah. This one is kind of the closest thing we have to a perfect movie. Mm-hmm. And the fact that it's not... like this This should be getting screenplay picture you should be getting editing the editing was superb they should be getting visual effects honestly so and score daniel Pemberton. god it should and it won't so brief tangent aside any closing thoughts on this movie besides go see it yeah Mm, no, I'm good. All right. Well, with that, thank you all for being with me. Thank you all for being here. Um, thank you too for being on this show. Um, it's so nice to not have to do one of these alone, <laughs> and have an actual back and forth going on. Um, stay tuned on our um pages on Castbox, Spotify, Apple, and YouTube for more content. Hopefully, trying to like crawl back to a semi-weekly basis um on our show we've got plenty of movies as i mentioned at the top of the show that we might be talking about um so stay tuned thank you all for being here stay under our spotlight for more content and we will see you next time bye bye